on today's show. I got some great stuff for you today. Howard catches up with the Foo Fighters' own Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins. How many guys have been in bands and then went on to even have a bigger band afterwards? It's insane. It has happened. Peter Gabriel, you know, went from Maybe Genesis Clapton, Yardbirds, B. Cream, and, and then yeah, Solo, yeah. maybe. Uh, yeah, there's some. Howard, I've often what? thought of us as the wings of grunge. <laughs> I need more juice in my can. <laughs> really? I do. More juice in my cans, please. Uh, I can't get enough juice in my cans. Hmm. That sounds like a condition. <laughs> yeah. I've got so many conditions, I don't know what to do. My neck is killing me. Oh, I haven't had that one in a while. What'd you do? Uh, I didn't do what what I do. Nothing. Oh. I got stressed. Somebody cure my mother. Maybe my neck will feel better. Oh, dear. Every day and nothing's better. You know, the woman, they give her painkillers. They give her everything. They don't even know what's wrong with her. And then you're like... I'm in pain. And I'm like... And nothing touches this pain. Not even these nothing. drugs. They get drug. They gave her every drug. They, they gave her uh, everything. Morphine. You name it. Everything. It really? doesn't matter. Wow. It doesn't help. Oh, it's awful. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I, I was more affected by the death of Ivan Reitman, too. Like yesterday, I couldn't stop thinking about... Uh, my neck hurts. I want to go back to bed, but I'll <laughs> can power we get you a this. brace? You know, like you'll sit oh. there with one of those things around your neck. Yeah, they gave my mother a brace too, because she also had back pain. Yeah, I'm not wearing this brace; it's too heavy. I go, Mom, you, you can't have it both ways. You want to be better? Wear the brace. You don't have to wear it all day. If your back's bothering, you put it on. It's too heavy. It weighs nothing. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> doesn't you know, sound like she wants to agree with anything yeah but uh i don't know maybe today she'll be better i'm hoping every day you can live in hope you know you can start the day saying today's the day after i get off the phone with the doctors or nurses i go well let's see what tomorrow brings and that's my optimism yeah uh you know my mom's always been a kvetch and a depressed person, but not like this. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, but, you know, when she has a real problem, it exacerbates that. Yeah, exactly. That situation makes it uh, worse. Now she's got a real problem. <laughs> now she's got a real problem. And so now she's because one doctor asked me, has your mom always been like this? I said, look, when I was in high school, my mom used to say to me every day, when I get home from school and she'd say, I'm going upstairs to kill myself. So I was like, oh. <laughs> I said, yeah, there was a time she was like that. And then they put her on some kind of Valium when I was in high school. And that was fucking awesome. My mother was basically high and she started acting like. Like, like she went out and got a job. The woman never had a job. She went out and got training at a hospital to be an inhalation therapist. She'd never been taught to ride a bicycle as a kid. And that always bothered. She was starting to. She she learned how to ride a bicycle and was riding up and down Grand Avenue in Baldwin, which, which is like the busiest, most trafficked, 
four way four lanes of cars going up and down and you would see her like like riding on that fucking bike <laughs> and then i don't know someone someone put it in her head she shouldn't be on antidepressants and she quit uh, cold turkey and then bad. yeah and she went what am i doing on that bike <laughs> well, i must be crazy I was like, I don't know, quit the job. What am I doing? You're getting phlegm out of people's chests. Oh, dear. <laughs> then she was back home. Well, did they, stopped... Have they tried antidepressants with her? I don't want to get into it. Trust me, I'm throwing oh. everything but the kitchen sink at it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, uh, oh, my God, when she uh, and then and then I went off to college. Thank God. I couldn't wait to get the fuck out of that house. And uh, I called her one day. She was doing transcendental meditation. She was like, hi. I'm like, who's this? <laughs> I was so taken aback by my mother's happiness. I mean, it was the sound of happiness. That's the sound of happiness. <laughs> it was yeah. unbelievable. And I was like, whoa. So I went and learned to do transcendental meditation. And, you know, transcendental meditation got my mother really far in life. She she was much better attitude, blah, 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 blah. But whatever's going now, now that she's 94. It's broken through all yeah, that she, meditating. And she's in bad shape, too. She was in the hospital, and I was like, she didn't even ask how my father was. Wow. Like, like yeah, for her not to. Because in the beginning, yeah. she was like, oh, who is going to help your father? Mom, I got it covered. And uh, now it's like, she, I go, Dad's okay. How oh, okay. you know, like, <laughs> It's his problem. Every man for himself. <laughs> uh, shit, oh, man. Dear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had, a, I had an interesting Who designed this there. system? Why is this happening? I don't know. That's what I told you, Robin. Life is a fucking bitch, man. My My mom doesn't deserve this. She deserves some of this, but not all of no, it. No, uh, come on. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be fun. Yeah, fun. Lighten Howard. up the mood. Lighten up the mood, but uh, yeah. Yesterday was Valentine's Day. I, my two girls, Robin and uh, Beth, I did little hand painted cards for them. Beautiful. And then Beth complained that Robin's was better than hers. It was oh, a whole no. fucking thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she goes. Your your card to Robin, I think, is better. I want that one. I go well. <laughs> I I did yours first, but um, she was fucking around. She goes. She never gets. Yeah. She she says she doesn't mind sharing me with you for some reason. She's a sweetheart. She's right. a sweetheart. She's a sweetheart. So I, Robin had gotten me a Valentine's gift. She knows I love pens, so she got me this beautiful one point one millimeter. Like a, I think they call it a flex pen or something. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, she bought me some pink ink. So I wrote Robin a little note with the pink ink and painted her some Redoute flowers on the front of her card. Took me a long time, too. That was no fucking um, walk in the park. I might really? look it. Really? You know, because yeah. I wondered. I said, wow, he's so good. Because it's no, beautiful. I put, a, I put a few hours into that card. Wow. I, I, yeah. And... uh Wrote Robin note with the pink ink. Very beautiful. And I couldn't wait for you to get it. Sent my daughter's roses, sent Robin roses. 
you know, my girls. Beth got her the Stephen Singer rose. Yeah, I had to go with that, you know. Oh. Oh, please. I bought her a whole bunch of stuff. Valentine's Day, Love Day, and, you know, and the letter, the, you know, the card. Anyway, though, I was kind of too busy yesterday for, you know, the Foo Fighters, uh, Taylor and Dave are stopping by because they, they did a cool idea, actually. They uh, made a movie. Remember how, like, the Beatles put out Hard Day's Night and Help? Yeah, and Help. And the right. Monkees. Remember the Monkees put out a movie, Head? It wasn't so good, but it was the idea that rock bands would put out a movie. And it sort of and was would, all, you know, the band was incorporated in the movie. It wasn't like one of them went off and did something. It was a right. band movie, yeah. So Dave uh, Grohl and the Foo Fighters made a horror movie. And uh, I knew I, ha- I I wanted to watch it before. There's tons of gore, but it's the band. Yeah, I don't and they're know all if you could have taken it. I watched it last night. Oh, I, I like, saw the whole thing. You did? I, I was yeah, wondering. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Well, I thought it, it is. Was fun. It's campy and fun. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really great. Yeah, I mean, it's silly. But it should yeah, be. Yeah, don't I mean, expect, those... you know, it's not, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street or you right. know, one of those things. It's really fun. And the, some of the lines are just hysterical. But <laughs> did you realize you are the reason that movie got made? I what? should give you credit. Yeah. Here's um. at the end of the, um, of the last time I spoke or two times ago that I spoke to Dave Grohl. Dave was telling what, this story about how uh, where they made the album. It was a weird house, and he saw weird visions and all kinds of shit. Right, yeah. You know, and then you said today... The fucking house was haunted. Howard, there was a ghost in the fucking house. There's no such... You know there's no such thing. There was something in that fucking house. I swear to God, dude. I swear to you. And I was having these reoccurring dreams of this fucking old woman with, like, muddy feet and this torn sweater with fucked up hair standing in my living room. Like, I'd come around the corner, and she'd be standing in my living room fucking staring at me dead silent. He's like the new Stephen King now, all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm saying to myself, this is the plot for a movie. Rockstar buys a house, and it's haunted. We're yeah, I'm actually, uh, there. <laughs> yeah, I've actually bought the rights to that part of the story. I'm actually producing it. God damn it. it. Uh, see? Robin, uh, wow. again, an innovator. So, uh, yeah, Robin suggested to Dave make a movie about this. And well, Robin it did actually, sound like, you know, a, a great movie plot. Well, you, you take some credit. Take a bow. Once All again, right. Robin uh, Quivers. I, I want, uh, you know, everybody else's name is on the movie. Why is it <laughs> Well, exactly. <laughs> they put uh, Pat Schmier on there. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> What did he do? How dare you? Yeah, so anyway, yesterday was Valentine's Day. did the radio show. I came upstairs and go, oh, fuck, I got to watch that Foo Fighters movie. I need to take a walk. I need to work out. I got to work, check on my mom. I got to talk to the doctor. I was just busy. I mean, I'm like, I'm supposed to be in radio where, like, you have no responsibilities. That's why I got into it, but I was just Yes, busy. as a DJ, basically, you're not supposed to be a responsible human being. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I was like, oh. And I called my buddy, Pat, because I said, Pat, come on, Zoom. You got to help me. My neck is hurting me. And he put me through like a workout over the, over Zoom. And, oh, man, I was just so busy. And I'm coming up the stairs. And I'm like, you know what? It's 4 o'clock. We eat dinner early at 530. So I said, I got an hour and a half. I'm going to shower. 
I'm going to watch the Foo Fighters movie. I'm going to do all my homework for the radio show. Right back to the guys. Blah, 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 blah. Had it all plotted out. And then Beth sent me a picture. This was very rare. A picture of herself in her panties and bra. As she was standing in front of the bathroom uh, uh, mirror. Yeah, panties. Lingerie. (laughs) Whatever you want to call it. I guess that's lingerie. Panties and bra. She sends me a picture of herself in her panties and bra and says, bang a clock, question mark. And I looked at it and I went, Jesus Christ, I got too much to do. I got to tell her, no, I got to watch the Foo Fighters movie. I got to blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden I said, what the fuck is wrong with you? Who gives a shit about any of that? Dave will forgive you. (laughs) If you would have told me in high school. That a girl that looked like that, even close to that, she's standing there in her panties and bra and wants to have sex with me in my house. I don't even have to. I don't even have to travel for it. That's right. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? Nothing's changing with my mother. Forget that call. If I see the Foo Fighters movie, fine. I mean, I said to myself, would Dave Grohl, if his wife wants to fuck him on Valentine's Day, would he sit and listen to my radio show and tell her no? <laughs> and then I and then I thought of the late, great Ivan Reitman, who I'm really broken up about. I'm really fucked in the head that he died. Ivan, of course, the executive producer of the movie Private Parts. And I went into it yesterday, so I don't need to repeat myself. But the dude was a mentor to me. The guy saved me. He He figured out how to make that movie. He was such a genius. And all of a sudden, I saw Ivan. Because Ivan and I used to have a lot of conversation about women and sex and a whole bunch of issues. And those are issues. And uh, <laughs> those are my issues. In any case, I, I saw Ivan looking down at me from heaven, laughing at me and, and saying, you imbecile. Beth wants to fuck you and you're going to tell her no and there's work to be done. Fuck your work. I'm dead, he was saying to me. Ivan was saying to me, I'm dead up here. I'll fuck Beth if you don't have the time. <laughs> I saw Ivan. And you Ivan really said, saw Ivan. I saw Ivan and he said, you're a shithead. <laughs> He's still mentoring you. <laughs> He's still, I, I, because he would do that to me. I remember after my divorce, I went to dinner with uh, Ivan and I was seeing somebody at the time and I brought her along and he was like, oh, my God. You know, he was like he he was quite taken with the scene. And, uh, you know, he, he I could yeah. sense that uh, he was like, oh, my goodness, look what you're up to. And and there was Ivan looking down at me from heaven saying, look at that picture of your wife. You got to see this picture. It's the greatest picture ever. I'm going to show you. Because you, you understand these things. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. This is the uh, text she sent me. Here. Let's see, that's Kanye West. I got to talk about that guy. He's a trip. Look at this fucking picture. Can you see? Can you see this? Okay. Can you see that? Oh, wow. Yeah. I should wow. put that out on, I should yeah. put that out on the internet. That would break the internet. You are. You even had a thought? No. So not I went. To you do know what? Something. I text. I text Beth back, and I said, "I'm. I mean, 
It's like right out of a magazine. I said, that, that's <laughs> amazingly sexy and beautiful. And you're yeah, sitting and there I, going, well, wait a minute. I've got to watch the Foo Fighters movie. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and, I, and I said to myself, you know what? It's only going to take three minutes anyway. It's not like it's going to be a long time. Yeah, you're acting like you're going to be there all afternoon. <laughs> so I ran over to Beth, and she was in that outfit. And I said, oh, my God. I said, uh, just, uh, I'm going to take a shower. And then I looked at her and I said, you mind if I don't shower? And she goes, no, go shower. It's all right. Because <laughs> I had just worked out. And you know how mm. masculine I get yeah, when I yeah, work out. Yeah, yeah, You probably had like, some musk. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, the, I'm like the rock when I work out. Like, <laughs> God. I quickly took a shower. I looked at my body naked. I said, I better wrap this body in a towel so she doesn't get too good a look compared to her body. Don't give her too much time to think. What are you doing? I would actually post this picture, but I don't know. I don't know what she would do if I did. Well, you should ask permission if you're going to post it. But that's such a sweet thing for your wife to do. Do you think I should post that picture or should I just keep that private? You see, me, I would want you to keep it private, but I don't, right. you know, just the thing between the two of you. Right. Yeah, but my fans, they need to see what, what I'm talking about here. <laughs> they, they, guys would say, what's wrong with you? If you well, everybody four, would say, what's wrong with you? If you had showed 14-year-old me that picture and said, she's going to be your wife and she wants to fuck you in the bedroom, my dick would have exploded. I never would have a penis. <laughs> I would have been like, you guys are nuts. <laughs> It would be like the line from the movie. It, you would, your dick would have uh, just flown right into your mouth. <laughs> right. Would have just magically gone into my own mouth. It's such a great picture. I think this is, a, I mean. Gary, do you think I should post this picture or keep it private? I think you should, uh, I think you should, I think you should ask Beth. Okay. But, but I mean, if that's okay, then Gary. post it because I saw it. It's fucking amazing, and you're 100 percent right. How you had how you had a thought about not going? Is I know. Insane. Stoop. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm gonna go work. Because you're right. That's like out of a magazine. Yeah, and no, no Photoshop. Nothing. <laughs> I, know. I mean, yeah, and and nobody I... told her to do that. She wanted to do that for you. What do you think, JD? Private. He's talking private. Oh. Keep it private? I vote for keeping it private, yes. Wow. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, you know, Mr. Nice JD is Mr. Private. She she looked great. Ooh. Right. You know, but you, you want to you have some things just to yourself, you know? You don't want to. Maybe you're right. I, there are plenty okay. of hot pictures of her out there, so. <laughs> well, what, what, what about one more? <laughs> but this one was made, for, like, just for you. Like, Should I just ask my wife? Maybe, maybe if I maybe was her, I'd want to. I don't know. Maybe she, You'd have yeah, yeah, to maybe JD's right. Her. I'll keep it quiet. But I'll keep I it agree private. with JD. That's exactly what I was trying to say. That, you yeah. know, it would be like a note she sent you. <laughs> this right. is just a picture yeah. instead of a note. Uh, okay. JD, get ready for the avalanche of hate mail from dudes who wanted to see that picture. <laughs> well, you can ask her and, and see. But I'm, I'm, nah, I'm assuming if dude. she wanted it out there, she would have posted it like herself on her own. No, page. she would not post that. Well, that that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But maybe she'd want me to post it. Oh, well. It's a great picture. You know what? Uh, Fred just texted me. He already beat off to it. Just in oh, wow. a short moment. Yeah. <laughs> During the show. Yeah, well, see, now it's not even private. Uh, look at JD's had his grubby eyes on it. <laughs> I know. So gross. 
<laughs> if my body looked like that, I'd want to show it. Well, know. that's what we all think. You know, like I always said, if I had a body, you'd have trouble keeping clothes on me. And you think that. Right. But who knows? Uh, uh, you know, it's her body. Nah, I'll keep it private. When J.D. is more mature than me, it's it's a sad day. I know. It's a, it's a sad <laughs> when day. When he's giving you <laughs> advice. Right. That's relevant. You've slipped. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, oh, my God. Uh, you know what? Even if work falls apart, who cares? It's Valentine's Day. That's my wife. I, and I and I was boned up and ready to go. <laughs> well, how could you not be? Look at that. I, took a, I know. And I took a, And you know what? She looked good. I got in the bed. But, well, first I walked in in my towel, which is a real turn on. And now I've got a nice <laughs> sized belly and a little bit of titties going. <laughs> I'm hairy. You put the, pull the titties. towel up over your belly. Yeah, I got it. No, I did pull it up over my belly, and, it, and you know what? That trick doesn't work, by the way, guys. I'm like, I had that, I had that towel right up to my titties. <laughs> I'm like, that's not working for some reason. It's crazy. So uh, yeah, I walk in, and then I'm like, oh, I got to unwrap the towel and get in the bed. She's already in the bed, uh-huh. and she's looking at me unwrapping my towel, and I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm so fat. It's not and that it's I'm daytime, fat. I'm, it's in the afternoon or something, so I there's no the, darkness to help you. No, I lowered the shades. <laughs> and the trick is I want light in the room so I can look at Beth because I'm very uh-huh. visual when I have sex. And um, But I don't want her to see. I wish there was a way she could be blindfolded. <laughs> I don't know. I looked at myself in the mirror in the towel, and I was like, I look like an old woman getting a mammogram. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> it's true. But I did my best, you know, and then, uh, bang o'clock, bang o'clock, yeah, bang I did my business. She said I did a good job. I don't know. And she jumped out of the bed. I went to work, watched some Foo Fighters. I had a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to do for the radio show. Go for your, go be- for your. Yeah, yeah, it was good for me. I, I, were you I tired or were you energetic? Oh, no, I was, I had a little, I had a little like, um, what do you call that? A little pep in my step. Oh. You know, I was all <laughs> feeling good about yourself. Yeah, I felt like the rock. What a wonderful day. Yeah, it was it was it was a good Valentine's Day. Beth made me a card. It was really sweet. Howard, breaking yeah. news. Yeah. Go I ahead. just received it. I just received a text from Beth. Beth Stern. Yeah. What'd she say? He can post. He can post. Oh, is she sure? She what says, did you I do? Think, well, no, I didn't do anything. You wrote she her? Text, or she, I did not. She did? I did. Gary! Let me, let me make sure. She, she just you said, sure I that's think. Beth? <laughs> well, hold on. She Gary! said, I think. It's my wife? It is. She said, I think there's nip, though. She wants to be oh. sure of that. I don't know. I don't see any nip. Let me take a look. Let me call her. Just let me make sure. Because I. Hmm. Uh, Hello. You're on. Uh, I mean, I'm on the air. You know. Hi. So don't say anything. You don't want to. You don't want people to. Right. Hear. You I sure I could? You sure I could post that sexy pic? Because. Uh, yeah, but I think there's nip showing. Oh. Mm, I'll examine it for nip, and if there is a little nip, it's it's obscured <laughs> by your bra. How much is acceptable? <laughs> there are 
pictures on the internet of me with less clothes than that. Yeah, I know. But but you know what's sexy? The panties with the. Uh, I know. I just didn't when I took it. I, I when I took it, I didn't think you were gonna like it was gonna be out pub, there. But yeah. I think it's fine. I mean, it's it's fine. Go ahead. All right. I'm getting boned up thinking about posting it. People are going to lose their minds hey, on this picture. I don't think so. It's a 49-year-old woman. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I never in my life thought I'd be banging someone as old as a 49-year-old, but I'm I telling know, you, I, it's, hey, uh, I'm, I'm digging it. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I don't usually go that old, but... Uh... <laughs> All right. So hey, did I... I felt felt like I looked horrible when I came in in my towel and disrobed in front of you. Yeah, you look good. What about my belly? I didn't even notice it. Don't talk about your belly, and I won't. There's no. I. I it was wonderful yesterday. It was so beautiful. I know. You know. I dropped everything. I was like, I'm. You know. If I'm too busy. If once you sent me that picture, if I'm too busy to have sex with you, then there's something wrong with my life. I agree. Damn. Yeah. Even OJ agrees. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, I do love you, honey, so much. Happy day after Valentine's Day, love. My sweet love. And by the way, I feel you, the card I painted you was just as good as Robin's. Oh, no. You didn't say that, did you? <laughs> Robin, I think yours was nicer. You oh, dear. I can't imagine. Mine, but that's okay. Well, I did spend a lot of time on hers, but I spent a lot of time on yours, too. I love it. I'm looking at it right now. Can I post that? No. No, no, no. It's not good, and it's... No. All right. No. Okay. All right. You can post me, but I can't post your card. That's fine. No, don't post my card. Just post my big belly. <laughs> <laughs> my big, fat belly. All right, honey. Go give Pebble her medicine. 7.30. Okay. Yeah, Pebble's on med. Pe Pebble is now medicated. My cat. Oh. She um, she's attacking. It has, to be right, it has to be right to the minute, so I really have to oh. go. Yeah, the cat has OCD. Really? Um, yeah, and she's attacking her own tail and eating it up, and and like it's driving her crazy. So Beth put her on. What'd you put her on? Um, it's called gabapentin. It's um, a lot of people give it to their pet before they go to the vet. It kind of it calms them. So she's on it three times a day, and you literally know the minute it wears off. So that's why she's on wow. such a schedule. And when she's uh, when it wears off, she attacks her tail to the point where there's no fur on the end. You can see the tip of her, the bone on the end of her tail. It's What's really it called, Gabba? Let's give that to my mother. No, it's people can take it too. Yeah, it's a humans take it too. Yeah, I'm going to call Doctor Schlafmitz and say, uh, "How about Maybe a dose of gabapentin?" That, right? Yeah, my, my mother will stop biting her own tail. <laughs> uh, you know, we should give it to Fred. He's he's odd. Oh, he's I eating his would... tail away. It's not even. <laughs> yeah, he used to have a tail. He ate the whole thing. <laughs> I can't hear anybody else. So I JD says. JD says that I should keep your picture private, that it's between you and me. But, I mean, I think it's a cute, sexy picture. Yeah, what but, hon, there's so many more pictures that are, are out there. It's fine. I'm right, you're not uptight about it. When I was younger. Yeah, I you, don't care. You did lingerie modeling, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, she oh, gave permission. It's fine. Ago. Yeah, JD's Dad, kind of a buzzkill. JD kill. says it's okay, Howard. Okay. <laughs> it's up to you. I don't care. I'm, I'm All right. Okay. Whatever. I got it. I love you. Love okay. you. Bye. Bye.
Bye. All right. I'll post the picture. You got to see this. And you're going to say, Howard? Yeah, everybody's in for a treat now. This is then your Valentine's this. present. I should post this picture. Take a look at that one. Oh, wait, wait, I better not. Beth will get mad. Well, oh, right, yeah. Let's... What are you showing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, now. Where is it? Oh, there it is. Yeah, that's some picture. I don't... I, do I see Nip? I, I think you could see... I mean, if you really make it, it large, you can... Is it through the bra, or is it side yeah. boobage? What is it? Side nippage. Uh, side nippage? No, it's through the bra. You, you know what? You don't. See, I don't see any nip. I really don't. Hmm. You Not sure? It looks like the laundry. Oh, maybe here's a nip. Oh, there's some nip. Yeah, you got to look real hard for it, though. Yeah, there is nip. There's no question. Well, you know what people will be doing. They'll be doing just what you just did. <laughs> yeah. They'll be stretching that picture. <laughs> there is nip. We have nippage. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'll keep, I'll keep this picture to myself. Jaden's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Fuck it. I was going to tell you guys to warm up your boners, but. <laughs> Hey, Bo. I don't know why JD's so right. He just said what I said. You know what it is? Because JD, he knows I protect him. So he's being protective uh, of me. I see. That kid loves me. I gave him a whole life. He would have <laughs> had a real loserish t- style life if I hadn't stepped in. Let's be honest. Talk about saving someone. Yeah, you really saved him. Yeah. <laughs> he's out in LA and. Um, He's doing his thing, and he went out to some big dinner last night at, at uh, you know, some people's homes. And Oh, yeah? And even one, one of the women, um, Sam, who works here, said to him, J.D., how did you do with small talk? Like, they know. You know, she knows. Right. And, and J.D. was like, I, I, I think I did all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm like, imagine the guy works on his show, and they're like, how did you do with small talk? <laughs> wow. Everybody knows. Yeah. The JD at a dinner party is <laughs> not it's holding a up his end. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think it would have gone well for old JD if I hadn't stepped in and given him a nice job. Hey, Didn't JD, your t- mic's not on. He doesn't even know how to turn on his mic. <laughs> it's on. No, now Oh, it is. now Hello? we can hear you. I, turned, I had the button on over here. <laughs> How'd you do with oh small my- talk at the party last night? I, I I listen. I was able to do it. I I everyone uh, the the couple there was nice, and uh, you know I was I did all right. Would you what did you talk about? Uh, just I don't know, light job stuff, life stuff. I don't know. I can't remember the specific stuff. Uh, you did great. Uh, Blake, can you think of something? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 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 JD went on another hike yesterday. John took him on a hike. <laughs> and here he is again, way out of breath. There you go. Let's see if I can. Oh, you got another one. Yeah. JD hiking in LA. And I guess um, John asked JD what his 10 favorite animals were, which annoys the fuck out of JD. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like that when you're hiking? If he, if John asks you what your favorite animals are, no, I'm trying. I, I keep staring at like how high everything is going as we're walking, and then I got this asshole asking, "Uh, what the? I mean, y'all here? What 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 are your ten favorite animals?" <laughs> I'm like, oh, who cares? Uh, 
And why? Yeah. <laughs> why? Oh, and why? Yeah, and why? What are your ten favorite animals and why? <laughs> uh, All right, we're listening to J.D. Hopper's <laughs> ten favorite animals and why. I just want to do a fucking bomb shot. I can't even name ten animals right now. Action, welcome to J.D. Harmeyer's 10 Favorite Animals and Why. Action. I just said, I can't even name 10 animals right now. Yeah, Manny, you, you are out of shape. to name animals. Well, Panda, he's walking tiger. and trying to breathe, favorite. John. <laughs> I'm, I'm 25 years older than this fucking guy, and I, I could probably do better on that hike. Why don't you just say Good. like elephant, giraffe, dog, cat? Well, you know? I want to. I want to think things through. I want to be able to. You know, I you don't want to make a mistake. <laughs> I want to be able to defend my answers. <laughs> right. You don't want to say accidentally the wrong animal, and it's exactly. not even right. And don't. And you don't have a reason for that. Exactly. Huh? And you know you love you love chickens because you love chicken, chicken nuggets. I do love right? chickens. Right. Chickens. You know, dogs, cats. Uh, yep. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Do you know ten any... animals? That's a good question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I, do, I say this: JD will either be dead or have abs by Friday. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see about that. Was it any easier? Was it the same um, place? No, it was a different place. Uh, <laughs> and no, it wasn't any easier. It was. You know, Runyon Canyon, it's, it's, uh, you, you sort of just go straight up with stairs and, and whatnot. And that's tough. And Bronson Canyon, uh, it's like a sl- it's, uh, it's just constant elevation. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not, what are you laughing at? He was, uh, he was angrier this time. It was like, it's like hiking with an angry bear and you got to just be careful because <laughs> he, he may swipe at you or attack. So you got to be careful. I should cautious. tell some, I should tell some funny things. <laughs> that uh <laughs> that John did to JD. What did he do? They got in an elevator yesterday and somebody had a big giant blow up bear like it almost took up the whole elevator and then John yells out, "JD, take a picture with the bear." And uh and, and it's it like the funniest picture. Valentine. <laughs> it's for Valentine's Day, and then suddenly yeah. there's a photo shoot of JD and the bear and and we got it in the mail yesterday, you know, the email. And I was yeah. like no explanation. John doesn't put it. It's just a big picture of JD with a bear. And uh, it was pretty funny, honestly. I had a good laugh. I'm like, I don't know the story behind this, but it's right. fucking funny. But you funny. know there has to be a story. <laughs> yeah. And then um, uh, not only did JD take a picture with the bear, when they were hiking and JD could barely breathe, John walked up to people and said, uh, by the way, this is his very first hike since his surgery. And um, and all the people were like, "Good for you!" and like cheering JD on. Oh, they started clapping. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do anything. <laughs> How many people did you go up to, John, and tell them that JD's this was JD's first walk? And it kind of explained why JD was having such a difficult time. So. It was like three or four people. We would just pass people. I was like, give them a round of applause. It's the first hike since the surgery. They're like, woo, yeah. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm so winded. I can't say anything back. I'm just walking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
Oh, my God. His doctor said it'd be okay. Uh, He's like, shut the fuck up, John. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Then John told... John told the other hikers that his son died of a snake bite because there's snakes somewhere around there in that oh, canyon really? or wherever they are. Wherever well, they it was are, like a, the- it was it was a PSA. We were walking towards the hike, and you know, there's a sign that says, you know, look out for snakes. And this couple were like, "Hey, what do you think of my girlfriend's boots?" So they initiated a conversation with us, and we're like, "They're great <laughs> boots." And they didn't know what they were getting into when the fuck we walked by. <laughs> they're like, "Great boots." They're like, "Hey, are you guys going on the hike?" I'm like, "Yeah, just be careful for snakes." And they're like, "Are they snakes out there?" I'm like. Yeah, yesterday my son was bitten by a snake and died. And they were like, oh, oh get out. Well, they would go, well, that's not the funny part. Right. Then he explains no. to them, my son was bitten by a snake. He said, but I don't feel bad. He goes, the insurance money was ridiculous. I, it, it straightened out my whole life. I, you know, I, what did you tell him about the ka-ching. insurance? He went ka-ching. He went ka-ching. How fast did they run away from you? No, that's when they, when I said ka-ching is when they had a laugh, they realized that. <laughs> they had a laugh. Oh, yeah, because I was going to say, a man would not be out there hiking with JD the day after his son was bitten by a snake and died. This man some, would. I think there's some, uh, there's some clips of you doing your shtick. What is this, cities and horses? What's up with that? That's, he asked, this is a different question. Uh, what are your top 10 favorite cities? What cities do oh. you want to visit? While you're hiking? Yes. Okay, then how about this? Ten cities J.D. Harmeyer would like to visit. Go. I don't know. London. Yeah? Why? That's one. I don't know. Yeah? Seems nice. Two? Fucking hell. It's his first time hiking. Shut up. On his leg. Yeah. <laughs> Where would you rate those? His first, his first <laughs> hike since operating on his leg. <laughs> JD, I'm listening to your breathing. You better go to a doctor, dude. I don't even know if you have permission to go hiking. Uh, no, this is it's a hike. You breathe like that when you hike. I don't know what to tell you. Well, John's hiking with you. He's not breathing like that. Oh, he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> when John's like telling other people, I'm drawing attention to you, which you hate, and he's like, hey, yes. it's his first hike. Yes. You know, since and they start applauding. Do you get embarrassed or do you just Of course. Like, yeah. Of course. I'm just like I'm just like I don't even look at them. I just keep walking. I'm looking straight ahead. I just I'm avoiding this situation. I'm getting out of this area. Watch this last clip, the alphabet. What are you doing here? I he asked me to say the alphabet. Did you well hold on, did you put the backwards part? No, I was gonna talk You're about that. it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. What? Well, JD could he could um, say the, the alphabet backwards, which was pretty impressive. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Yeah. It took me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. the alphabet, right? The alphabet? Yes. Go for it without singing. <laughs> without singing. A, B, C, D, E, F, T, H, 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 A, B, C. Oh, God, I fucking hate you so much. What's the alphabet? <laughs> <laughs> H-I-J-K-L-M-L-P-Q-R-S-T-V-W-X-Y-Z. He did it. I think he might have missed a letter in there. He might have missed a letter. Oh, I got it. I got it. Might have missed a U, but all right. Good enough. You'll learn. You should have said it was his first time hiking since his gender reassignment surgery and became a man.
That's like quite a beard no. for a guy who just. You know changed. what? We need to we need to stop giving him ideas. He's already dead set on fucking doing this goddamn proposal at the at the airport. I can't fucking talk him out of it at all. I can't do anything. Uh, are you, John? You're going to get on the plane with JD and propose? Oh, one hundred. I'm gonna first. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take a flight attendant aside. I'm saying I'm in love with this man. I would love to do this. It's been my dream to propose to him on a plane he loves flying can i do this on the loudspeaker you know on the lo- no, oh. no no i'm no, doing it doing that. i'm not just going to get up on a plane and start streaming today <laughs> i'm going to do it i'm going to get clearances from the lovely flight attendants at JetBlue. right wow <laughs> well i'm yeah. i think they'll let you because it's romance yeah it's romance it's romance it's love you know he just survived uh you know, a disease that we're all happy about. So, oh, <laughs> excuse, excuse me. Yeah. After the Maybe hike, the disease. After the hike, JD had fried chicken sandwich, fries, and a beer for lunch, which is uh, so it packs the pounds right back on. You know, this is the you know I didn't, the eat, first all, I didn't eat all. I didn't eat all of it. I didn't eat all of it. <laughs> what? It's good for you. At? <laughs> <laughs> he ate the, um, most of the fries. And yeah, look, baby steps, two hikes in two days. That's impressive. You know, but every time he goes and and pounds down some fat and love pounding down grease, salt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was about to have dessert. I kind of, I was like, yeah, maybe you don't eat that cake. cake." (laughs) He was drooling. Like, no, (laughs) you're you're an asshole. You're an asshole. (laughs) Is that true? You want cake? Yes. You want a nice piece of cake? I asked him if he was going to get dessert. <laughs> and you wouldn't let him no. eat dessert alone. <laughs> exactly. He said no. I said no. So I said, oh, no, I won't get one either. And, but there was a cake there that looked really good. It really did. <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't get it. I, was, I didn't do anything. Well, remember when we hired JD? Person, do you remember huh? he was a skinny He was a skinny little kid? You know, now he's a chubby boy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, the the shenanigans continue. A lot of fans wrote in. Um, oh, there was one other uh, thing I didn't mention. Uh, Jonathan oh, was sorry. with JD in L.A. And um, they, they were walking down the street or on the hike or something. And John would go up and say, and, and he asked two young ladies if they wanted a picture with JD. <laughs> oh, there were, there were these girls at the restaurant. Yeah, and you know they said Baba Booey, and I said you know hello hello. We were like about to leave, and so then John walks back into the area and goes, "Do you want a picture with JD?" And they were like, "We'd love that. <laughs> we would love <laughs> that." <laughs> yeah, JD high and buys his fan. He's like, "Hi, bye." No, you know you gotta be gracious. I- <laughs> that is horrible. That is just horrible. That is just they were excited to see him. Yeah, we took a picture. Yeah. There's video. You walked back long. into the restaurant. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, my. I'm going to do that one time. Like, like, if I ever, like, go to dinner with, like, I don't know. <laughs> Who would hate Kim that? Old. David Letterman or something. I would, I, would, I would say, excuse me, does anyone need a picture with Dave uh, while we're sitting here? <laughs> can you imagine? Kill well, maybe himself. next time we run, we do Runyon Canyon. I can have. Oh, JD, oh uh, next time. When is, 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 well, we're back in LA. Yeah, JD can be this trip. Have headshots, like a stack of headshots, and offer right. to sign. Yeah, hand them Would out. You like a headshot, yeah. you're gonna do- <laughs> for free. Um, 
thing. A lot of letters to J.D. <laughs> J.D., you actually thought the Bengals would win. Ha, ha, ha. I want to lick the tears off your face. Howard, make J.D. take the bus home. <laughs> ha, 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 J.D., you fucking douche. The Bengals are fucking losers, and so are you. You asshole. Stick to opening your fucking baseball card boxes. By the way, could we please see video of J.D. hiking in L.A.? Is there any video of it? Oh, yeah. There's a, Yes, there's a lot of video. A lot of All video. Right, a, of J- one take shot. Yeah. Take shoot. Whatever. A- exclusive what? video of JD on the app. I can see it coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, one listener. Well, JD also used to, ought, to, ought to do an unboxing of his cards on, on the app one of these days. <laughs> I really feel for JD. His team finally gets to the Super Bowl. They look the, like they're going to win it, and then they lose it in the end. That has to be so disappointing. Get him next year, JD. <laughs> I'm trying. All right. We'll try. Adele, there you go. All right. There you go. There. Yeah, JD's <laughs> going to put as much effort into it as he did this year. <laughs> yeah, I don't see any other email from. Uh... Yeah, I mean, there's a ton. It's all the same stuff. Either people goofing on JD for the loss or feeling bad for him. <laughs> uh, if what, JD well, was some on people... the team, they would have won, wouldn't they, JD? Uh, well, I don't know about that. I don't know what the hell position I would have played. The listeners love JD's story about getting stopped at a Barnes and Noble theft detector years ago, and the security <laughs> person seeing all of his porno that he was bringing home. Uh, that that JD, was quite amazing. That JD porn story was hysterical. Getting caught with porn, like that's my nightmare. Poor JD. I once got caught with a backpack filled with porn at a Phillies game. I just shrugged my shoulders and did the best I could to avoid eye contact as I walked away. Um, and then, um, oh, I pulled the tape. This is Sal and Richard used to send Eric, the actor, gay porn, and he always <laughs> threw it out once it was delivered to him. And I do have a clip of that just to remember Eric real quick. When you threw out the gay porn we sent you, aren't you afraid the garbage man will find your gay porn in the trash can and think you're gay? No. <laughs> what if he sees it in there? And then he goes, oh, shit, Eric's gay. You should have written a note on it. Look. I'm not gay. This was sent to me. Because what if the guy gets, traces it with fingerprints and he sees Eric's fingerprints? <laughs> That's not my palm print. Eric, you won't have my fingerprints. My roommate opened the box. How do you know the garbage man doesn't know it's your garbage? There's still houses under construction. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, my roommate put it in one of their dumpsters. Oh, so he said, I'm not putting this one in our dumpster. I'm going to get this gay porn over to another dumpster. Right. Wow. What went on with this gay yeah, porn? Yeah, they're trying to get it as far away as possible. <laughs> they ring mm. mission. Yep. Anyway, uh, good luck, boys. But the boys are still in L.A. And uh, yes, we'll be coming home More on Thursday. More hijinks to follow. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't think they're done out there yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, boys. Very good to uh, right. check in yeah, with right. you. Let's go to Arlie. Arlie in uh, West Virginia. Go ahead. Hey, now. First time, long time. Hey now. Uh, show the, hey show now. the picture. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a good picture. You guys would like show it. Show it. can't imagine you'd be critical of it. You can edit the nip out. You want him to blur yeah. it out? Well, no, I mean, I don't want to, but I know he's probably going to show it with that show. <laughs> I, I don't like when they blur out nip. I see that on Daily Mail. They always blur out the nip and uh, get upset. They blur out, you know, it's funny, sometimes they'll blur in, in the mid, you know, in the in the crotch area. 
And you're yeah. like, what are they hiding? <laughs> yeah, right. What a big bush sticking out, or what is going on there? Uh, all right, Arlie. Yeah, something tells me not to post it like it's private, but, but but Beth doesn't care. She's like, I've posed a million times in bathing suits. It's the same thing. Yeah, as long as she doesn't have a problem with it, you know, so do it or don't. And now you can really make a free choice. Yeah. Yes, Dave. Hey, Howard. Hey, now. Uh, Long time fan. Love you. Hey, now. Sorry about what you're going through with your mom. I know I've been through it tough. Um, I vote that you give the photo to Ronnie to post on his Twitter. Uh, That sounds like she wants it on. Beth definitely wants it on. She wants to show it and be helping two people out. You get Ronnie and you get Beth. What do you think of yeah, that? She doesn't seem she doesn't seem to mind, as Robin just pointed out. You're right. I, if she minded, I, of course I wouldn't do that. Yes, Marianne. She doesn't mind, Howard, because she's too nice. She doesn't know what's out there. It's one thing to have pictures on the internet from a while back that she posted. Everyone's going to be on that, Howard. That's private. No. That's between you and her. There's someone like Apple hmm. and other creeps, I would not post it. I would treasure the moment, Howard, and keep right. it personal and private. She's making Howard? sense, i got to say. She's hey, making please. sense. You know, Beth's like, okay, show it, and then what? And then there's going to be a deluge of negative. There'll be a piece of lint on your carpet or on her shoulder, and it'll be all hell breaking. Right. You know, you, you, you share a she's nice picture. She's making a good point. Yeah. You forget she's who's right. out there. By the way, Ronnie has already tweeted 11 times this morning. Four ass shots, four titty shots, and one NASCAR tweet. So, the, I mean, <laughs> what a busy boy he is. <laughs> Ronnie's busy. Speaking how it's speaking. Titty Tuesday, brother. Titty Tuesday. Titty Tuesday. There you go. So proud. Right. Ronnie there. Happy Valentine's Day, Ronnie. I saw the beautiful gifts you gave Stephanie, and uh, she posted the candy, the the poor necklace. And uh, you said, you know what, Ronnie, for your age, porn? you're a good. A porn necklace? a porn necklace. What kind of porn no, necklace? No, not porn. Poor. P- poor, like yeah. a dog's poor. Poor. Oh, poor. Yeah, porn necklace. All right. <laughs> yeah, all right. right. <laughs> Enough. Okay. Thank you. All right. <laughs> wait, wait, how is I don't even know. I'll get to that, Marianne. I, I promise. was thinking to myself the other day, well, he must not have passed any of Ralph's. Um, oh, that whole Bobo of thing. his questions because he the hasn't whole Bobo, been on. The whole Bobo thing is so boring. Ralph's yeah. like, I don't know. Ralph isn't happy about it. Bobo's unhappy, and Bobo can't call in. And I, you know what? I don't even care. Anyway, I guess I'll keep Beth's picture private. I, I wanted to show it off a little because I guess I wanted all the women who rejected me to see it <laughs> and say, hey, I should have why, why don't you just get their uh, email addresses or their <laughs> accounts and, send it to and them? just send it to them? <laughs> yeah, ha, ha, ha. You should have, like, stayed with me. I wonder if there's any women out there who, like, I, you know, I tried to date when I was a young boy. And uh, I wonder if any of them care. Like they go, yeah, maybe I should. Do you think that they're secretly regular listeners? I would hope so. I would hope there'd be at least one woman who rejected me, who is out there going, shit, I should have <laughs> gone out with this. I think there is one that I know of. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to think about that sometimes. But, uh, yeah. hey, hey, Ron, what up? I would not post it. Really? Why? Basically what Marianne said. Beth is going to catch some major shit no matter what. 
even if, the, if it's a, it could be the greatest picture ever. I don't know. You're gonna get you're gonna get all these assholes that are gonna call her all kinds of fucking names. I see. Pick out every little imperfection if there There's is none. one. Even there if isn't there one. isn't one. Dude, but you don't find, know. They'll say it anyway. That, you know, Ronnie's making the point that they don't care. Ronnie, that look at this picture. Wrong. Take a look at this picture. I'm going to show it to Ronnie. Tell me if you see an imperfection. Oh, Where is there an imperfection? How could they? How could they goof on this? Look at Dude, this. you say it all the they time. Will. You know, like Emily Ratajkowski puts up a picture and they tell us that say she's crazy and stupid. Oh, for it's gorgeous. The picture's awesome. Yeah. But I'm telling you, man. Yeah, <laughs> she's. She's gonna she's gonna be upset if you post it. All right, Got because it. you know you know about the shit that she catches on her Instagram with the cats and everything else. There's always the assholes out there, the apples that that fucking destroy. You know, they want to destroy your life. Yeah, they want to just mm-hmm. they, they they don't want you to be happy. That's the yeah. whole right. Thing. All right, got it. All right, done. Not posting it. That's it. Getting good advice here from people. All right. Thought it'd yeah, be nice JD to share with Ronnie. the audience. And Marianne. <laughs> Going to share my Valentine picture, but forget it now. Hey, so uh, I'm following this. Uh, it's amazing to me that the guy in charge of Titty Tuesday is telling me not to post it. But, hey, if he's saying it, then he might be right. He might be right. He's got to be right. He you would bet. post anything. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Wilding was telling me Ronnie posted a picture of a woman who looked dead. He's pretty sure what? that she was photographed dead. And now we got dead porn on Ronnie's. <laughs> yeah, he's not sure the woman was conscious when they took the picture. Anyway, uh, I'm following this Kanye West and Pete Davidson story because it's just so fascinating to see a guy melt down, you know, this Kanye West was married to Kim Kardashian. I don't know what happened. I guess he was acting so wacky that she wanted to get away from him. You know, and they have like three or four kids together. But the story of what is going on, Kanye West is the kind of guy who doesn't keep anything private. He is attacking Pete Davidson. And by the way, he's just looking very desperate and crazy. And, you know, I said to myself, how come Britney Spears was appointed a a conservator? Kanye West is going around acting 50 times wackier than than Britney Spears. They should give him a conservator. That's why it shows you that was a sexist kind of thing. Yeah, Britney Spears is a little wacky. No reason she can't. Who's not, to, right? Well, any right. one of us could be given a conservator. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so... Let me tell you, let me recap what's going on in case you're not following. Yeah, because I bored with, you know, that whole thing. It's so it makes no sense. He's got a girlfriend, yet he keeps telling his wife, let's put our family back together. It's crazy. He dropped a girlfriend. He dropped a oh, girlfriend. Oh, he did? Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by this because, you know, in the age of COVID and, you know, maybe the Russians invading Ukraine, all this shit that people are arguing about and Trump and this and that. This is something you can everyone can agree is fucking crazy. I mean, you can't you can't see it any. Other Bring way. us all together. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Kanye West, Pete Davidson, and Pete Davidson. God bless this guy. I, he's always in the middle of the the hottest romances. This is, I mean, it's an unbelievable story. He's the biggest star on the planet now. So here's a few things. 
that generated headlines. Uh, Kanye West publicly uh, dissed Kim's parenting because she allowed their daughter North to go on TikTok. So he publicly came out against mm-hmm. his ex-wife and said, uh, this is terrible. Kanye then posted pictures of their kids on Instagram and asked God to bring back the family together. So in the one on the one hand, she's a bad mom for going on TikTok, but he put pictures of the kids on Instagram. Uh, Kanye now refers to Pete Davidson as skeet in his post. He doesn't say Pete. He says skeet. That's supposed okay. to upset Pete Davidson. Then, uh, I mean, this is the hardest I've worked in a long time, just tracking this thing and this drama. And then he wrote, put, Kanye West put out a song, okay? Uh, this afternoon, a hundred goons pulling up to SNL. When I pull up, it's dead on arrival. And the song is called City of God. So I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds like a threat or something about, I mean, who knows? With rap, I don't know what anybody's saying. Pete Davidson uh, texted privately to Kanye West and said, dude, I would like to meet your children. I guess it's getting awkward because Pete is dating Kim and she is not introducing him. So he's he's saying respectfully to Kanye West. I I would like to meet your children and I, I'm not interested in parenting your children. That's between you and your wife. But I, I think it's uh, appropriate that I meet them. And then well, that I sounds think, like it'll go over well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He wrote you as a man. You as a man, I never get in the way of your children. That's a promise. How you go, how you guys go about raising your kids is your business and not mine. I do hope someday I can meet them and we can all be friends. And then Kanye wrote back, you will never meet my children. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it would uh, go over well the way he's been talking about Pete in public. Page six put out a report. It wasn't confirmed, but allegedly... They alleged in the article, or somebody alleged, that Kanye is spreading rumors that Pete is gay and has AIDS. But this has not (laughs) been confirmed. I'm not kidding. Now, I'm not one to give out advice on women. Believe me. You know, I'm the last one because what do I know? But uh, I got to tell you, if he wants his woman back or even has a shot at him, he got to stop acting so desperate. I think there was a report that on Valentine's Day, Kanye West sent, like, to Kim Kardashian's house thousands of roses or so. Do I have that right, guys? Let me see. Uh, I don't have that report, but I think he sent, like, too much stuff. Like, overboard. Yeah, he, posted, then, Howard, um, he posted um, something about a truck full of roses going to her house for Valentine's Day. Just yeah, it's too tons desperate. Tons of roses. Very desperate. Right. Uh, I'm no ladies, man, but I know you don't do that. If a woman doesn't want you, you can send her all the roses in the world. She doesn't want you. That's it. And it's so public, get- too. It's, it's you know, I, I'm, I'm a Kanye fan. I've stuck with him through, you know, the Trump stuff and the, the Kardashian stuff. But the, the desperation is, is such a turnoff. It's it's. It's too hard to get into his music. Yeah, yeah. He, he, it's hard to get into his music. Is right. He yeah. got booed at the uh, Super Bowl. They put him up yeah. on the screen. Uh, uh, other people beside you are feeling the same way. The guy's destroying himself. It's it's weird. It yeah, it's weird. Kim wrote a text to uh, I guess this is all public. 
or private. I don't know. You are creating a dangerous and scary environment, and someone will hurt Pete, and this will all be your fault. And then Kanye wrote, he published this, and then he wrote, Upon my wife's request, please nobody do anything physical to skeet. I'm going to handle this situation myself. <laughs> That's so crazy. Kim wrote, well, thank you. There are dangerous people out there, and this is scary, and it doesn't have to be. And then I guess he uh, po- posts these things that she writes privately, and he wrote the, the caption, I will always do everything to protect you and our family forever. And I listened to you and told everyone to make sure nothing physical happens to Skeet. And now um, Kanye will not put Kid Cudi on his album because he is friends with you-know-who. We, we assume yes, that's Yes, I Pete. heard that. The, yeah, it's getting into the business side now because Kid Cudi's been cut. Kanye keeps posting sloppy-looking photoshops of Pete, including one of him and his other enemies in the style of Marvel's Captain America. And then um, Kanye wanted um, Michael Che on the Saturday Night Live News to make fun of Pete. Michael (laughs) Che said he wouldn't do it. And I got to tell you, this makes Pete look like the most amazing man on earth. This is a guy who puts very, he appears to put very little effort into these relationships and he is reaping all the awards. The rewards, excuse me. (laughs) Awards, too. He won an award from me. I think I want to fuck Pete Davidson now. But uh, my goodness gracious, I don't dare answer this door. Who's Who could be at the door? Who do you think? Take a guess. Is it Kanye? Come on. <laughs> well, who would be interested in this story? I don't know. Who is it? All right, let me open the door. Let me see who it is. Oh, my God. Look at this. Pete Davidson's here to talk about Kim Kardashian and dating oh. hot chicks and uh here we go pete how are you uh, you're, uh talk good. The... you're good uh oh good yeah you're the talk of the town it's amazing you've dated this is telling robin ariana grande kate beckinsale kaya gerber i mean what is it like being with these women uh yeah it's pretty cool it's like uh oh okay I, like, yeah. I'm just a kid from Staten Island, you know? I don't know why all this A-list pussy keeps falling in my lap. You're living the life, bro. Now, do you have... I mean, you seem so relaxed about all this. I, I question, do you have any stress at all? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes my, 30, turn, my 13-inch dick, like, makes women moan, like, super loud. Um, that wakes up my mom, and, I don't know, she gets kind of pissed, so... Oh, that sucks, I guess. Yeah, you know, that's true. <laughs> he's got such a big cock, these women moan, and he lives well, with his Well, and mom. then they're right in the basement. His mother's right up on the next floor. That is rough. She's an awesome roommate. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good to talk to you, actually. I can't believe these women. That's I good mean. to talk to you. Yeah. it's You know. But what is it like when you've got, you know, somebody's husband running after you, texting you, yeah, writing I mean, songs he, about you? You're dating Kim Kardashian, one of the biggest celebrities in the world. Is that a lot of pressure? Uh, I don't know. Not really. I mean, it's like we mainly just order Taco Bell and she watches me play video games. Uh, <laughs> and then we bang. Or right. she slurps it. <laughs> oh. Wow. Wow. 
Hold on a second, Pete. Someone's at my door. I, I have a feeling I know who it is. You know. <laughs> uh oh, it's Kanye West. I'm sorry, oh. I didn't set this up. Uh, hey, Kanye. Hey, hey, hey! I want to speak to Skeet Davidson. You a fucking clown, fam. You a fool. You don't deserve to be with Kim. Um. Wow. Wow. Hold on. This is good. Uh, this, this is, is now an exclusive. front page because this is what's happening on the front pages every day. Uh, Kanye, explain your position. You're angry. Uh, and, and what do you have to say to Pete? Yo, Pete, what do he, you say? Uh, I mean, I agree with you. Like, girls tell me all the time, stop fucking me. You know, I tell them. I'm like, dude, stop fucking me. Like, you can do way better, but they don't listen. They just yo, keep yo, fucking yo. me. Yo, you're not doing this, bro. Now, I see what you're doing, Skeet Davidson. You know what I'm saying, fam? I read about this reverse psychology. You think I'm stupid, Skeet Davidson? I got the highest IQ points known to man. You can't fuck with my man. Okay, okay, that's what's up. Yeah. Listen, I, I barely graduated high school. Do you, do you want to play Xbox with me? I ain't got time for Xbox. <laughs> I'm busy recording, mixing, producing, running, and designing the fashion line, son. Dope. I'm you. I'm wearing your Yeezys right now, size fourteen. Yo, yo, yo. Where, yo, where are you taking Kim to dinner, fam? Applebee's, <laughs> friendlies. <laughs> I, I take Kim on Michelin star dinners, fam. Per se, John George's, Caviar Russ, Noble stuff. You ain't never been to Pete Davidson. Whoa, yeah. No, I've never heard of those restaurants. They got chicken fingers. Yo, yo, Howard, listen. Listen, yeah. let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about Skeet Davidson. This is a publicity stunt, Howard. Kim really right. wants to be with me, fam. You know what I'm saying? This is tabloid yeah. clickbait bullshit. I'm Kim's king, and Kim is my queen. You know, uh, let me say something here. Let me, let, let me, I, I bet you TMZ is listening to this and very Yeah, jealous, taking down every word. <laughs> you got, you know, uh, Pete it does try to seem to, he's trying to be uh, more mature about this. Uh, he's saying he's a fan of yours, uh, Kanye, and, uh, or it's Ye, right? I should call you Ye? Yeah, my, my legal name has been changed to Ye, so that, that would be the correct name to call me, Howard. Okay, and, and, and try to call Pete, Pete, not Skeet. I, I, I mean, what's the point? I don't have no respect for this dude, fam. And the reason why I call him Skeet, because none of his relationships seem to be serious. They're all just Skeet relationships. He doesn't last with nobody he's with. And that's one Pete. of the reasons. Pete, I don't well, hold on, Kanye. I mean, yeah, Pete, uh, what do you have to say about all this? Oh, sorry. Oh, what's up? What's up, dude? I just passed out. Are we? Yo. Are we doing? Are, still, are we doing this? Yo. Are we doing this? Yo, yo, bro. Yo, don't play mind games with me, bro. My brain is working twenty four seven, playing three dimensional chess. I am Caesar, but I can't be stabbed. I'm Nikola Tesla and Stan and Steve Jobs all in one, fam. Cool. That's cool. Hey, can you guys hold on one second? Mom, hey. mom, yo. I'm getting yelled at by Kanye. It's amazing. Yo, <laughs> bro. Y'all hear hey, this? Sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry. I'm fucking out of it. I took some edibles. Um, This fucking donkey dick is like super draining. Yo, he's bro, got a... I, I... Kanye, he's got a big dick. Howard, you, you, you know what? I don't care nothing about him having no big dick. I don't get it, Howard. What am I missing? I, look, dude, I don't get it either. Like, 
you are way cooler than I'll ever be. Um, hey Howard, are we done? Because I want to go watch SpongeBob. I mean, I'm I'm not. I mean, I'm trying to. I would love to be the man that kind of like. I think the mature thing here would be Kanye. He's dating your ex-wife. If he could hang out with your kids and be nice to them, and you would sanction Yo. the relationship, he he really is not a bad dude. I don't get it. Howard, this man will never meet my children. Skeet Davidson will never meet my children, fam. You want to know okay. something? I saw a picture the other day with Machine Gun Kelly and Skeet Davidson in their underwear on the couch, fam, <laughs> eating popcorn. Do you want somebody like that around your children? Uh, come no, on, fam. Guys. He will Pete, never meet my children. Pete, I hey, know. Yay, yay, dude. I'm, dude, I'm jealous of your smaller dick. I wish we could trade dicks. You know what, bro? <laughs> you, you, you saying you jealous of my small dick, but guess what, Skeet Davidson? Guess what, by the way? By the way, guess who I'm dating? Julia Fox, the mm. sexiest woman in New York with the fattest ass. So I'm all right anyway, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I banged Julia last March. She's super chill. Tell her I say what up. <laughs> I say I would kill you, but your pasty ass look like you already been dead. <laughs> I am pasty. I, look, I, I look generally unwell. Like... I, I don't know what lupus is, but anyone who's got it probably looks like me. You damn right. <laughs> you Gumby on Viking and looking motherfucker. Good one. Good one. Wait, I got it. I got one. I got one. I got my tattoos look like the doodles in a school shooter shooters notebook. Yo, look, Howard. Listen, Howard. Yeah. This, yes. this dude is such a fucking pussy. When he ate a bitch out, it's like cannibalism, fam. How Kim going to go from prime rib to Mac rib, bro? Well, dude, I, I look like Slenderman if he dropped out of community college. This dude, fam, I'm telling you, ugly, bro. You got butthole eyes, motherfucker. <laughs> I do have butthole eyes. Cam, Cam, could you bring me some toilet paper? I'm all out of Charmin. Sorry, guys. I left the shitter door open because why not? You know, <laughs> yo, how, how can she be into him over me? Kanye West, the lyrical genius with the miracle penis. I don't understand, bro. Hey, mom, mom, can you take the tater tots out of the microwave? I think I just heard the beat. You know, uh, Pete, you have an interesting way of um, being with Kanye. When he puts you down, you put yourself down worse. It's a very yeah. interesting thing. Yeah, it's true. I look like somebody sewed together the worst parts of like five different lesbians. Yo, yo, <laughs> yo. I, you know what I don't understand, bro? We're supposed to be insulting each other, but he's not insulting me. Why aren't you insulting me, Skeet Davidson? Uh, I don't know. We both hate me, I guess. <laughs> like, because you rule. Like, next to Cuddy, you're like my hero. Uh, I don't know. You're objectively a better choice for a woman. All right. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to settle this. Really? I'll, yeah, I'll I'll Good let luck both to you. Of, uh, I'll tell you what. Let's have a competition. I'd like to see how you guys operate because Kanye, I've said that you are too uh, into these women. You're too you're too you're sending your wife too many flowers. You're trying too hard. Pete doesn't try at all. So I'm going to let both of you woo Robin. I want to see your technique. Uh, okay. After you're done, yeah. after you're done, we'll ask Robin who's the hottest guy. All right. Yo, Robin, okay, you'll decide. Howard, I'm right. down. Kanye, I'm down. go ahead. That's you fair, start. That's fair, that's fair, fam. 
Okay. So you want me to start this, Howard? Go ahead. Okay. Listen, Robin, this is what I'll do for you. The way I would woo you, Robin, I will give you 12 pounds of diamonds. I will spell your name in sports cars in your driveway. <laughs> then I will build a temple shaped like your ass. And after that, Robin, I will have brunch. No matter of fact, we will have brunch at a table with people bent over. I'm talking about living people, Robin. How can Pete David compete with this? What can he offer you? All right, Pete, Well, go I ahead. guess we're going to see. Go ahead, uh, Pete. Hold on. I have to open the window. I just farted it. It smells terrible in here. Hold on one second. Okay. Whew. Pete's going to woo you, Robin, and then you decide okay. who you want to be with. Okay. Oh, man. It smells so bad. Um. Uh. Okay. So my turn? Yeah. Okay. So I go now? Yeah. Okay. So right, right the second? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So, Robin, are you ready? I'm ready. Uh. Okay. Uh, well, we can make mac and cheese and play Call of Duty in my mom's basement. <laughs> okay, Robin, there you go. Who's more Ooh. attractive to you? What's your, what's your choice? Jeez, what a what a tough choice you've given me. I got to hear. Just Kanye an FYI, my tater tots just came down. So, do you want one? I could get like one of my tater tots. Right. At least Robin? you share. You do share. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. Who would you go um, out with based on that wooing? Gee, I, I, well, you know, I'm not really turned on to any of this. Right. But in the scheme of things, I'd probably go out with Kanye. Oh, see, there you go. See, Kanye. See? That's what yeah. I'm talking about, fam. That's hey, congratulations, dude. Hey, that's congratulations. That's awesome you, for you. Yo, yo, yo. I am Messiah of modern music. I am <laughs> Da Vinci of hip hop, okay? I'm Kanye right. motherfucking West. He's Kanye. He's Kanye fucking West, dude. That's right. what I'm talking about. You are, yeah. You're, you're not fucking you're not, awesome, yeah, dude. I'm you're Kanye you're not fucking awesome. West. And your right. gangly well, ass look like somebody plugged Big Bird, fam. All right. That's, well, I thought I could straighten it out between you two, and obviously I can't. But uh, dude, Yeri right. is amazing. He like totally like pulled himself up by his bootstraps, and I can't even tie my shoelaces. Like Velcro shoes are way easier. Yeah, okay. Keep playing with me, bro. I'm sending the goons to SNL, bro. Keep playing with me, Skeet Davidson. Oh, listen, right. dude, listen. It's fine. I love this guy. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. Kanye, I, know, I guess there won't be peace. And for the record, I guess peace. Kanye, can what? we go on a date together? Like you and me? Yo, bro, I don't know what's wrong with you, fam. You look like one of them kids that fucked up at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, bro. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm just like everybody else, bro. I'm just a kid from Staten Island. I wake up and put my sweatpants on one leg at a time, but I don't take my sweatpants off for, like, weeks. You can never show Kim the life I show Kim, bro. I take Kim to exotic countries, eating endangered animals that you never even heard of, motherfucker. This sounds awesome. I think I want to... Date Kanye now. No doubt in my mind. You, you know what? Bro? Yeah. You look would like. You mind, you know, would you, you like, mind if I watched you, know you have bro? sex with Robin? Yay. Yay. Could I watch you have sex with Robin? No, fam. This dude better stop fucking with me, Howard. Robin, you fucking right. Beetlejuice looking motherfucker. Yo. Right. Yo, bro. <laughs> okay, I'll guys. You, I'll sketch you, Skeet Davidson. Okay. Hey, well, huge fan, dude. Jesus walks with me. Mm -hmm. right. Two. Fucking clown, fam. 
there they go. There go the boys. Their uh, their feud continues. What can I tell yeah. you, Robin? Yeah. Well, you know, Dave Grohl and uh, Taylor uh, Hawkins are coming in. They're going to talk about this uh, Foo Fighters movie. But last time Dave was on, he was talking about Kurt Cobain's uh, distortion pedals. That's how he played the drums. He'd say, I never knew what Kurt was doing. But if I saw his feet going toward that distortion pedal, I knew some shit was about to go down. And I'd start banging away on the drums. We would always right. begin every rehearsal with an improvisational kind of noise jam. Right. Someone would start playing something. We'd start jamming long and, you know, it would maybe take shape and then get chaotic and then turn into a thing. And then it could turn into a song. Some of our songs happen that way. So in that, it's all about intuition. Like you're watching each other and you're feeling it. You're knowing like, oh, we're coming up on the fourth bar. We're probably going to kick into something loud. And so I would look over and see Kurt getting closer to the, to the distortion pedal. And I'd know like, okay, it's here it comes, here it comes. And just as his foot would fucking get over that pedal, I go, and he'd go, bam, and step on the thing and then just go. So it was like, you know, we were famous for that quiet, loud dynamic. And it all came from that. Yeah, the guys are telling me they're not all for distortion. That some of those pedals are doing other things, but okay, I don't know that. Yeah, some of them are distortion pedals, like uh, like Nirvana on Heart Shaped Box. You know, they're playing normal guitar, and then all of a sudden you hear all that distortion. You know, that's pretty normal, right? Sounds like a normal guitar. Yeah. Still sounds normal. See, that's distortion, right, right there. Yeah. Cool. I'd be using distortion if I had a band. Like you'd never not be in distortion that's right. mode, huh? I would be always distorted. <laughs> <laughs> Chicks dig it when your distortion is on. <laughs> the distortion pedal. I have some facts. I'll give you something about distortion pedals for you. For those of you who are into rock and roll, they didn't exist until the 1960s. So guys like Chuck Berry would turn the volume high on his amp and he'd make it so high the guitar would sound a little dirty, you know? That's how they did it back then. They didn't okay. have It was sort of like a pedal. feedback thing. Yeah. And then in 19, let's see, 1958, Link Ray came out with that famous song. You know that song I'm talking about? Rumble. <laughs> this one. Oh, this you one? hear how distorted the sound I is? I never knew it was called Rumble, yeah. Yeah, it's called Rumble. This dude, because it was 1958, they didn't have distortion. They, he would stab his amplifier with a knife and make big holes in the amplifier, the speaker. And then that's how he got this sound. Wow. Musicians are, they don't do anything. They got Well, they do. hear something and they want to create it. And so they'll right. do anything to, let me see if I stab this thing. Whittle, yeah. Whittle that's work. why. That's why I'm not a rock star. I would never destroy my own speaker because I could hear my father going, you idiot. Now you have no amplifier. You, just, you stabbed your amplifier. But, Dad, I just invented distortion. Fuck you, idiot. <laughs> Jimmy Page and Pete Townsend said they heard that song Rumble by Link Ray. And that's why they picked up the guitar. This song was banned from the radio. It was the only instrumental to be banned from the radio. An instrumental because at the time Why? people thought it it sounded violent and provocative. So a lot of radio stations weren't allowed to play it. Can you imagine? This is what's going on. Um, 
what else can I tell you? The Kinks, you really got me. You know this song? Yeah. Listen to that. That's distortion. And the way they got that, they um, one of the brothers were fighting. Ray Davies and Dave Davies used to fight all the time. And they got into a fight, and one of them slashed the other's amp with a razor blade. This is what these guys <laughs> would do. And that's how they got that. It's true. That's how they got the sound. And they... No one knows which brother stabbed the amp, but both brothers now take credit for being the one who slashed the amp. Oh, that's because they want, yeah, yeah. They even fight over who was the guy who did it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You want more information on it, or you got enough? Well, I always like to know things. You, you want to know never stuff? All right. bore me with knowledge. All right, the first guitar pedal was inspired by the country song "Don't Worry" by Marty Robbins. You hear the bass solo? You hear that noise? You hear oh, yeah. how buzzy it sounds? Yeah. Well, a piece of recording equipment broke, and everyone loved it, and they kept it in. And everyone said, how are we going to get you? See? And so they oh, invented the maestro. This is by accident. But then we the maestro, how dare you interrupt me, Marty? Is that uh, where you got the, sweet love from? That's right. The maestro fuzz tone was built in 1962 to imitate that sound. That 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 bass kind of sound. That's how that's how it all comes about. People are like, "Wow, that sounds good. Let's invent something that does." And they did that. Yeah, they let's make it, it happen instead of it being a broken piece of equipment. Yeah. When they first came out with it, they said, "Do you want your guitar to sound like a horn instrument?" And sales were terrible. Nobody wanted their guitar to sound like a... If I want to be a hornet, who the fuck wants their guitar to sound like yeah. a horn instrument? But then the Stones used it on this song, and it became huge. Satisfaction, man. Wow. Yeah, and all of a sudden... Here's the story on Satisfaction. Keith Richards had it in his head when they wrote that song that the... Dan, 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 that should be recorded by a horn section. He didn't want a guitar, but he got the fuzz tone. He demonstrated. He knew that the fuzz tone was invented to sound like horns. So he said to the band, let's let me show you what this should sound like. So they recorded that, you know, and, and Keith's going, do you see how it sounds like horns? But the producer, the engineer, they love the sound so much that they said to the band, assholes, you should use Don't that sound. Yeah. Don't change it. Use this. There you go. And then it took off from that. That's the history of the distortion pedal. Wow. Because let's face it, a regular guitar sounds sort of fucking wimpy. You know? Can you imagine the great riffs if they didn't have a distortion pedal? But that's nothing. Imagine if Metallica did it like this. You would say, what no is power that? at all. So a distortion pedal, if I had a band, I would have that on the floor and I would use that. See? Nothing. Nothing. I lost my guitar boner. But then you add the distortion pedal. Look. I'm rocking. Come on. And all the chicks line up for me backstage. <laughs> See? 
Clapton. There. Well, I'm sorry that you're playing Clapton. Right. <laughs> I don't want I'll him to that. have a distortion pedal. Take his away. Well, listen, you can't take away his uh, great guitar playing. Anyway, that's the history of the distortion pedal. There you go. Big deal. Nobody cares anyway. I did receive email from the fans. Much fan mail. Uh, rest in peace, Ivan Reitman. Yesterday on the show, I was quite distraught that uh, my dear friend and mentor, the man who executive produced Private Parts. And when I say executive produce, I read sometimes in Hollywood how everybody and his mother slaps their name on as producer or executive producer on a film. But this guy really, he, if he loved the film Private Well, if Parts, he was producing it and his name was going to be on it, you, you even mentioned this yesterday, that he, wasn't, he didn't have to put his name on Private no. Parts. Originally, but if he, he told was going to do something, he was going to be a part of it. Ivan told me originally he was not putting his name on private parts. And when the uh, dailies started to come in and he saw the movie being put together, he said, I'm, I think I'm going to put my name on this. Which was which made me so proud. But anyway, I, I really took it hard and I was really shocked that Ivan died just quietly in his sleep. Unless we get some sort of... Uh, uh, Bob Saget type information that Ivan fell or something. It just seems yeah. Will there Ivan... be an autopsy? I don't know what the rules are. I would like an autopsy of Ivan. I, I, <laughs> I demand one. In fact, I demand one. You demand. <laughs> I demand it. But I uh, tell you something. I have been thinking more. I told you yesterday. I saw Ivan. He was laughing at me that I wasn't going to go have sex with my wife on Valentine's Day, and I did. And I, and I listened to him. I said, "You're right, Ivan. You're right." I saw him laughing at me. Howard, you didn't see anything. You're starting to sound like Sal. That was just Sal. your imagination. <laughs> How dare you? No, I, I know the difference, Robin. How uh, dare you? <laughs> I, uh, anyway, I was sad. Yeah. All that talent. Man was a genius. You know, you talk about directors. I'm going to say this, and and rightly so. You talk about the one of the greatest directors of all time is Steven Spielberg because the man knows how to tell a story and he knows how to shoot beautifully. And the guy is dedicated to every shot, looking perfect, taking nothing away from the man. But uh, Ivan made some of the greatest comedies of all time, and I think sometimes we dismiss the comedy as a light form of entertainment. I think it's harder to get laughs on film, and by that. Knowing which edits to pick, knowing which takes to use, knowing how to move along the story so that the laughs are there. I think in every uh, every bit of the way, it is just as hard to do a great comedy as it is a serious movie. Now, we honor the serious movies more. We honor the Steven Spielbergs more. But Ivan, just for, for Ghostbusters, I don't know if Ghostbusters was nominated for Best Director or anything like that. I'm sure it wasn't. But it should have been. There should have always been a comedy, at least comedy category, uh, at the Oscars. Because Ivan would have uh, won them all with Meatballs and uh, Animal House and uh, Stripes. Uh, the movie Dave had so much heart. So I, I feel like Ivan, of course, financially got his due. Man had more money than God. But, uh, you know, I, I think... The recognition, you know, the, yes. the accolades. 
Dan Aykroyd said, Ivan has a great feeling for the pulse of an audience. And I saw it in action. I told you, I sat with him in the editing room. I would fly down to California every weekend and watch Ivan. And you Patty. keep flying down to California and you miss it every time. Flying to California. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> That's a big bugaboo with Robin. <laughs> but uh, Dan Aykroyd said he knows how to build those points of reaction, the peaks and valleys that make a movie work. And I couldn't agree more with Dan Aykroyd. I saw the man do it. I saw him go into a screening room and say, I'll get you a laugh there. All we got to do is change this. And, and um, you know, he, yeah, he, he was just, great at it. It was like uh, he could conduct an orchestra. Like, I want the horns to come in here and this to come mm-hmm. in there, and then it'll all work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just was something. Gary shared a note that uh, Jason Reitman, Ivan's son, who's a great director as well, sent uh, Ivan. He sent Gary a, a, a note about Ivan. And, uh, Gary. J- Jason, of course, is devastated to lose his father. Of course, yeah. And he, uh, listen, not everyone is devastated to lose their parents, but he was. Well, I could speak and, to um, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, so it's nice to hear that. But I'm devastated. Ivan was a, he was a great guy just to talk to. Well. Can you imagine having someone like that as a father? Jason shared. Jason said they were going through his father's things for one reason or another. They they had to uh, look for something, and they found a stack of tapes of the Howard Stern show there on cassette from oh. years ago. Ivan would sit and listen to when he had to take long car rides. Wow. Ivan used to tell me that uh, he'd always have a stack of tapes, but they, there they were. He saved them all these years. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I just uh, I'm just so pleased with myself that I picked up the phone and called Ivan not more than a month ago. And, uh, we, yeah, because half that. the time you're telling us the opposite story. Yep. I was I thinking about it and I didn't do it. I should have. I do that all the time. I think about a person. I go, I should call and I don't do it because I either get busy or I just say, ah, eh, what's the point? Maybe he doesn't want to hear from me, blah, blah, blah. But in this case, I said, this is bullshit. Ivan and I haven't talked in a while and I picked up that phone and I called him. And man, I got to tell you the best advice I can give you here over the radio. If you're having those feelings that you should get in touch with someone, do it today. You know, do it today. So I'm glad I did it. I got to have a conversation. It was a great conversation. We talked for quite a while and even made plans to see each other and everything, which is not going to happen, even though I saw him yesterday in my house. Robin thinks it was just a vision, but who knows? What do you think it was? No. I saw his uh, smile. I always liked earning a big smile from Ivan. If I did yeah. something outrageous on the radio and he saw me doing it or if I did something good on film. But, you know, here's what I'm going to say, and I'll, I'll sum it up this way. I'm so honored to have known Ivan, this great film director who shined a light on me and said, you know what? I really want to put your movie together. I've got a vision for you. I know who should direct. I know who should write it. And I know the direction it should take. And he shined that light on me, that genius light, and uh, took me under his wing and was generous with me and shared so many uh, moments with me. And and tried to. he said to me, Howard, I am not going to let you fail. You're going to do great. And he, and he came through. And, um, and what an honor, because that's the same man who shined a light on Belushi and Murray and yeah. Aykroyd. That's right. Yep. I, I tell you, I'm so honored to have known him and to have his 
guidance, but also his blessing, you know, to, to, to the, the fact that he appreciated my talents. And, um, you know, he told me so many wonderful things and made me feel so good. And I'd say, Ivan, thank you. You know, I, I, I'm so honored that the guy who did Animal House and Stripes and Meatballs and, and oh my God, uh, the movie Dave, I love that movie mm-hmm. and Ghostbusters and, you know, you name all these movies, Beethoven, blah, 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 on and on and on. I go, the fact that you even mention my name or know it, I'm so honored. And when he's, oh, did he save my life? When he said to me, after all those failed attempts at coming up with a script and a movie, here we had the green light from the movie studio. We had the money. We had everything. I couldn't come up with a script. I was so fucking frustrated. I mean, it mattered more to me than anything. And I was so frustrated because I said, I, I, I can't believe I can't get, I got a, I got a studio ready to shoot. I want to make a movie, and I can't come up with it. I just can't see it. And I believe me, I show you all the drafts I wrote and other people wrote and drafts I wrote with other people. Couldn't get it right. And I even said, I know how to do it. And he explained it to me in one quick phone conversation. And I go, called my agent. Oh, my God. I even just explained the whole movie to me. I got to go see this movie. <laughs> And uh, within within days, once the deal was worked out, within days, he had Lenny Bloom fly out to my house. Lenny spent time with me. We, we we started work on it immediately, and the whole thing came together like magically. Like uh, Ivan sent the script to me and to my agent, and we were like, I go, Don, is this as good as I think it is? And Don goes, it's fabulous. I've never heard Don say that. He goes, it's fabulous. We're ready. This is it. It's a go. I would have smothered Ivan's balls in kisses that day. Why didn't you? He says I didn't. Why didn't I? Who knows if I didn't? I can't. Listen, I got a very male audience that can't handle anything gay. Shame. They got to get with the times. Well, you know, Seth Rogen was on this show one time, and he said to me, there's a million ways a movie can go wrong. And it's amazing when one is made, and it's actually good. And Seth's right. Because it really could have gone wrong. If if I had made any of those stupid scripts, any of those 21 scripts, I would have been a laughing stock of the business. Well, remember that uh, Chris Rock came in and he said, you know, a bunch of us got together to go see private parts because we knew it was going to be a disaster. <laughs> and then they all discovered they were watching a great movie. Yeah, they were pissed. Chris went with a bunch of uh, comedians. They were there yeah. to ostensibly goof on me, and then they went and they and I shut them the fuck up. Well, that was that's Ivan. right. Ivan shut them the fuck up. Ivan wasn't letting that happen, and neither was Betty. Those two knew, but Ivan is gone, and I got to tell you, I I don't mean to harp on it, but it's just fucking crazy to me. I know he was seventy five, and to some people that sounds real old, but. I could see Ivan with another good 10 years with his grandchildren and his sons yeah. and daughters and wife. I mean, you know, he was a happy man. He, you he know, was. had a beautiful life. The one thing that bothered him, I don't, I don't, I think, I think I've talked about this before. Maybe not. But Ivan, um, when Ivan was, uh, born, he wasn't born in this country. He was born in Czechoslovakia. Mm-hmm. His father was a very successful businessman. I forget the business he was in. I wish I could remember. But the family was pretty well-to-do. 
World War II happened, the Nazis came in, and the father took his family and fled to Canada. That's where Ivan's from, Canada. I think um, I think this happened when Ivan was six years old, I want to say. I don't know. I, maybe I got the dates wrong and all this, but the family had to flee. And um, Ivan used to say to me many, many occasions, he says, there's one movie I still want to make. And he goes, I want to make. He wanted Lenny to write it, the same guy who wrote Private Parts. And he, he that Lenny, they would talk to me about it. Ivan's mother was an Auschwitz survivor. His dad, I think his dad owned a, a vinegar factory, but I'm not sure. You got to fact check me on that. And they fought with the resistance during World War II. And uh, I don't know the, the the chronology of it all, but it was this unbelievable story that Ivan told me. A crazy fucking story of bravery and intrigue and all kinds of shit. And Ivan said, I've got to make this movie. And I was thinking to myself, well, here's a guy. See, again, this is what, what's so crazy. Here's a guy who makes some of the greatest comedies, but I think deep down inside, they all want to make that one serious movie. Mm-hmm. The guys who are great at comedies. And Ivan, I was like, Ivan, this doesn't even fucking matter. But he says it's, it is the, you know, it's one of those immigrant stories that has to be told. I think it was going to be his like Steven Spielberg movie. You know what I mean? Right. That kind of serious movie with gravitas. So I don't know what happened. I was talking to Lenny. Lenny was writing pages. Ivan was, uh, but I don't think the, the movie, I don't know what happened. It never got made, but I know that was mm. Ivan's dream project. Never got made. I don't know if the studios yeah, were afraid has. to make a serious movie. Uh, you know, they, they'll greenlight any comedy Ivan wants to make, but. Right. But that was the movie he wanted to make. The story of his parents. It He was obsessed with it. Every time I spoke to him, he mentioned it. Except this last conversation, he didn't mention it. I, I don't know. I don't know if he had just given up or what. So, there you go. Uh, I think Up but in anyway. the Air is a great movie, and that was uh, George Clooney. Howard, so sorry good. to hear Sorry to hear about your dear friend and genius, Ivan Reitman, passing away. Probably is making a lot of people laugh in the great beyond. Well, that would be a nice... Uh, well, he's reunited with Belushi. Maybe they're doing a collaboration. If Belushi's up there with him. I'm sure Belushi giving him a headache. Uh, <laughs> I always enjoyed hearing Ivan on the show. He always came across as such a lovely and sweet guy. Rest in peace, Ivan. It was nice to hear exactly how he shaped private parts today. Um, by the way, I told that story yesterday on what a disaster I was the first day of shooting of that film, Private Parts, and how Ivan had to take me in the back and slap me around quite a bit. He basically looked at I was scared. He was like, you know. Dude, what are you doing out here? Well, That's he the way did, I remember. He, yeah, he confronted me in the halls at K-Rock one day yeah. after being on the show, I guess. And, you know, I was out there in the hall. And he goes, are you ready for this? Mm, said, yeah. Ready for what? He goes, you got a big part in this film. Are you ready? I'm like, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the truth. He said to me, there are there are millions of dollars invested in this film. I remember I was on the set. I was shooting like I was in Detroit. I was doing a monologue on the radio. And then I had to talk to the newswoman who was working with me, the woman I worked with previously, before, you know, before you. And uh-huh. and uh, and uh, there was a place where the woman has to come in and say something, the actress. And uh, I was not I was ad libbing. And he pulled me aside. He said, there's millions and millions. He said, look around. All focused on you. Millions of dollars are invested in this thing, and you don't know your lines. 
I said, no, I'm, I plan on ad-libbing. It's me. I'm playing me. He goes, no, 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 no. It's a movie. You want to ad-lib on one take? Go ahead. But you got to get it right. She's got to know when to come in. I go, oh, fuck. <laughs> I got, I, I what? <laughs> well, I was scared. Because I was like, maybe I'm not ready for this. So, uh, I mean, when you see the finished film, I look natural. I mean, it was brilliant. I should yeah, have gotten the Academy Award. But, but, but when I started, I got it. Anyway, Ivan didn't remember. Ivan did the um, history of Howard Stern. And he, he downplayed the conversation. He says, I, didn't, I don't remember it. Uh, I do remember pulling oh. him aside. But my re- recall of the event was not telling him, hey, get it together. It was, you know, you can do this. You do this all the time. I think you have to get yourself back into that natural place that you do your show in and just recreate that even though the stuff is written. And I think he just had to relax. And he was doing really well by the second day is what I remember. Maybe it was the third, but it was real soon. It was the third. It was the first third. First two days. I remember it was first, the third. First two days, I sucked bad. And then I, I uh, went upstairs and watched an uh, interview with Meryl Streep, and she sent me straight. No bullshit. I, I, but you really, you also talked to me about it. You you came to me and yeah. said, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't. I said, this is not my bag. Put me on the radio. I'm okay. Uh, it was scary. But then uh, then, I, then I caught on to it. And, man, did I get the acting bug. I, I was like, oh, I love this. I don't want this movie to end. I love shooting scenes. I was so relaxed and comfortable by the end of the movie. I was like, mm. oh, my God. I was in my groove. And I was like, no, don't end it now. Let's go reshoot the whole movie. But. Oh, well, anyway, Ralph wants to say his top five Ivan movies. I don't know. Do you care? Well, he considers himself some kind of an auteur. Maybe mm. you should let him. Are you an auteur or an auteur? Uh, uh, no, all right, what are your top five Ivan movies? Hurry up, because i got to talk to Dave Grohl. What did Meryl Streep, what did you get from Meryl Streep, for real? Well, I went, up to my, I went up to this elaborate, um, they, they built me almost a hotel room yeah, at the movie studio. It was gorgeous. You remember it, right? <laughs> yeah, it was like bigger than my apartment. <laughs> I know. I didn't want to leave. I, I loved the whole thing. And I went up there, and I had a, um, I don't know what it was, how I got this interview it was Siskel and Ebert interviewing Meryl Streep. I said, she's the best actress in the world. What does she say about acting? And, you know, first I watched Michael Caine because he had a video on acting. I needed a quick We lesson. all watched the Michael Caine video. Well, I watched it and didn't help. He was like, what I like to do is pick a movie based on the weather. If it's cold where I'm living, I look for sunshine and beautiful days in the movie. Right. And I'll Great. go and shoot in the Bahamas. And if um, I'm in a very hot environment, I'll go to, let's say, Alaska and shoot a movie there to cool down. And I went, shit, this fucking guy, I, I got Ivan no Reitman. Right? This ain't going <laughs> work. I was like, what? He goes, what I like to do is I like to, the night before I shoot, I lay out my hotel room and I... Put all the furniture where it's going to be in the scene so uh, I know where everything is going to be placed. And what I do is when the close-up comes, I don't blink. If you blink, you look like a sissy. 
you got to look straight into the camera. And I'm like, you should see me in private parts. There's no blinking in there. You, you've got to see me blinking there. You're like, I said, this fucking guy. I was like a fucking, I said, this guy's a lunatic. He's telling me, I mean, uh, I'm not learning anything. And I got Ivan Reitman banging on my door telling me I better get my shit together. So I, I don't know if it just so happened. I put on the TV because I saw that uh, Meryl Streep. And she started to talk about how she, you know, created a backstory in her head and blah, 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 blah. And um, I mean, uh, you know, it, it somehow clicked. I don't know what, but it clicked because the Michael Caine thing I watched. What I like to do is get a co-star with huge tits because I got to tell you, it's a nice thing to be looking at when you're working on a film for four months. It was like every film was just created for him to walk through. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like it wasn't like any, you know, don't blink. When I was approached for Jaws 4, I said, meet my quote and I'll get in the boat. And that was it. That's, you know, I was like, what the Give me fuck? Give a million dollars. Yeah, I, dude, I need an acting lesson quick. But, you know, <laughs> acting lessons weren't for me. I wasn't going to go to like a teacher and all that shit because even my agent said, that's going to fuck you up. You just go be you naturally, and I and I agree with that. And um, but anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. Robin well, did a great job in the. I thought Robin did. You did such a great job in that movie, Robin, too. Well, thank you. I thank was you. really uh, concentrate on my performance, not Robin. Oh, well, here of we course, go. <laughs> you were snubbed. You were snubbed by the Oscars. I was snubbed. I was snubbed. Yeah, clearly. What hey, you so gotta do? What you gotta do? Now, <laughs> they see actors and they're acting and they change. And it's an infin infinitesimal thing in the eyes as they change eyes as they're talking. Can you see my eyes mm -hmm. changing here? Yes. Just I'm changing eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm blinking. Now that is two of the worst things to do. First of all, you never change eyes. And you, what you do is you pick an eye. And if I keep blinking, it weakens me. But if I'm talking to you and I don't blink and I just keep going, and I don't blink. This is what and I'm watching, mate. And I don't blink. You start to listen Please. to what I'm saying. I'm like, man, wait a second, man. That sounds like advanced shit. I need, I need a basic lesson here. Forget the blinking. You must have what you got choose an eye. What you got to do here is pick a role with a few words, less to remember. <laughs> don't blink. Don't blink and go to Hawaii. What you need to do is buy a new pair of shoes. I'm like, okay, that ain't going to help. Anyway, all right, quickly, I got to move on because I got the clues. Stripes, 1981, love that movie. Ghostbusters. Stripes is the best. Yeah, with Harold Ramis, great. Ghostbusters, 1984. And then everybody sort of forgets, but he gave Arnold a whole other career. Right. twins. Oh, twins. Of course. With Danny DeVito, what maybe one of the greatest castings ever. Ivan, I don't think Ivan ever got the Academy Award. Boy, did he deserve it. You look at yeah. twins, but they don't take comedy seriously because of the Academy. Fuck the Academy Awards. They don't know what they're doing. I deserved one. Ivan deserved one. And, uh, no one else. That's it. Just the two of us. <laughs> twins is just so fucking great. It's <laughs> the two of us. Twi he's, Ralph is right. He is an auteur. He's absolutely auteur. right. Nobody he thought that would ever work. Twins, Kindergarten Cop is great. Uh, Stripes is a great movie. Ghostbusters. Oh, go ahead. Give me the rest. And uh, the last one, which I love and I've watched about a million times, is Dave. Like, I know you just said. Yes. I love, love that movie. It. Love so it. Good. So much and heart. It, so much heart. 
and it's so different from everything else he did. You look at those movies, and he had yep. such a range. You know, it was like funny yeah. to drama to just he was so great. It's such a shame, such a shame. By the way, Triplets, the sequel, is in production. Ivan was slated to direct. He'll never get to yeah. direct it. Oh. But, yeah, uh, they really did put that together. Yeah, yeah they who's did. The I think third in it. They have a great third. Who? Uh, I, forget. I thought they wanted Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Did he take yeah. it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. Danny DeVito, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. and, um, and and Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you know, when you think there about the a, movie the, Twins. You know, I was reading one of the uh, obituaries, and the story with Arnold Schwarzenegger, he didn't know Arnold Schwarzenegger. And after Ghostbusters, Arnold walked up to him at a party or someplace one day, and he said, I could be a Ghostbuster. He <laughs> <laughs> was right. You're right. Uh, yeah. All right, Ralph. I got to move on because I do have Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins. But rest cool. in peace, my 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 beautiful man, Ivan yeah. Reitman. There you go. Thank you. There you go. Well, his legacy will. Like I said to my wife in bed last night after we had sex, mm. I said, you know, I can't stop thinking about Ivan. I go, you know, all those great movies. I go, but it doesn't matter, Ivan. Now, yeah, he's just gone. That sucks. Yeah, I mean, all that talent, just crazy. Oh, it was Tracy Morgan was going to be the third. That's funny. Oh, Tracy was now <laughs> Tracy, the third yeah. one? Wow. Yeah, oh, that's just too funny. Oh, and I guess he's, are they still going to make it? Is that what you're no, saying? I don't know. I don't know anything mm. about the project. I'm not privy. If Ivan visits me again, I'll uh, ask You'll him. talk to him maybe, about that. Maybe Jason will do it. He's a great director. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. All right, Ralphie boy. Good list. Nice. All right, uh, I see a lot of people wanted to talk. M Melanie, you wanted to talk, but I I've run out of time because I got the foos. Um, what did you want to say real quick? Oh. oh, I just wanted to say I'm so sorry to hear about Ivan. He was amazing, and why is it a piece of shit Harvey Weinstein is still alive and he is gone? This, this world makes no sense. I asked God that question this morning. I said, God, how is uh, Harvey Weinstein still alive and Ivan isn't? And then God did not answer me. But um, uh, maybe I will be contacting uh, Ivan through the Long Island Medium uh, any day now, and uh, we'll oh, get that Oh, I thought answer. you were going to just use Sal, because Sal, you know, he's very No, <laughs> Sal's a fake. Uh, the Long Island Medium is real. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, we're going to come back. Uh, the, speaking of movies, uh, yeah, the Foos have a movie out. It's such a great idea. The, uh, you know, the Beatles made movies, and... The monkeys made movies, and why not the foos? And there you go. It's an interesting plot. Yes, we'll we got, let let's uh, let's talk about Studio Six 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 with the boys, and yeah, so much more. I wonder if you know there's an underlying message. Interesting <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Is there? I mean, what do you? What's your theory on that? Well, I don't want to give away the whole movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> We're known to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, God didn't answer me about Ivan. I prayed to him last night. I said, why is Harvey Weinstein alive and Ivan isn't? And you know, God has, God has not answered me. 30 years ago, I asked God a question. I said, why Why this face? How about a new one? And uh, he, he did not answer me then. And never, he, he never said anything then either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not a, like a like a Brad Pitt kind of style face. Can you can you make that happen, God? You know, I love those Foo Fighters, and uh, I don't have to rem remind you why, but uh, they've done something innovative again. 
And, you know, I started thinking about this. The Foo Fighters are, there's the boys. There's um, they, yeah, There they are. Hello. So relax. Relaxed rock stars in their most comfortable here, out outfits. Hey, guys. Can you guys hear me? Can you hear the second Nine Inch Nails song, dude. It really is. It's fucking badass. I mean, it's called Trent. Yeah, dude. Maybe he needs to do a new version of Dirty Laundry. With him driving around LA right now. <laughs> laundry. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? Do they know where to be? Ruby hearing, Howard? <laughs> yeah. No. It's <laughs> probably hearing us, though. My thing. Yeah. <laughs> we are hearing you, and it's fascinating. <laughs> Keep talking. I, I don't think my thing's on, man. <laughs> we're, it's know, even on. We're, doing. We're, we're trying to decide who had more solo hits after oh. the Eagles. Oh, Jesus. Glenn or Don? And we're going with Don right now. Don wins. Don wins. You know, I went, I threw to you guys, and you didn't have your earphones or whatever in, you know, your headphones. And and it's interesting to hear what you guys talk about. Even when you're just sitting with each other, you're talking about music the whole time, right? I mean, Listen, it, we it's, spent it's the last 26 years together talking about bullshit. Yes. And now we're, we've yeah. finally come down to who had more solo hits after the Eagles, Glenn or Don. It's Don. Well, going with Don. First, you're going with Don Henley. Hey, yeah, the, for the, sure. uh, Personal but, friend of but, mine. Is he a friend of yours? I mean, I'm a friend of his, but I would say <laughs> that he would consider me a friend, probably. <laughs> Is that because when you do your side projects, I'm trying to make friends I mean, with everybody here. Okay, now I'm going to get Don Henley on my ass. That's a problem, Dave Taylor. Why do you we, say it? We can both, but well, I, I actually think I, I take that back. Uh, Don Henley's a better Eagles drummer than Dave Grohl. Thank you, Taylor. Um, Good save. I don't think Don would have sounded right in Nirvana. I'm just saying. I just don't think he had the right. <laughs> you don't think? Ooh, I that. don't know. <laughs> they might have had a couple more hits in there, though. <laughs> With a big afro. Oh, and I love Don Henley. Oh, my God. Him singing backgrounds. <laughs> How does it start? You're sitting there. You're waiting to go on the Howard Stern show. The two of you have probably had every conversation in the world. But you had oh, never yeah, many before. More to have. <laughs> but you had never before. The the two of you had never before discussed who had more hits after the you know after the Eagles, who who has written more hits. Well, how did this how come about? This. How did that start? Who I knows? really don't know. I don't know. I mean, I you know, it's very much. <laughs> oh, like, I know how it started because I said I was just going to walk around L.A. a little bit after this show, <laughs> catch some vibes, and then I started singing. You. City. And then Dave goes, is that Glenn, Glenn or Don? And then we started going through the Don, Glenn hits. Like, I got a lot of hits. Taylor's like a walking rock and roll Jeopardy. You I got know nothing this, right? better like, You to can do. ask him questions all day long. He's got all the answers. Why did you, when I was eavesdropping on the two of you, why did you say we have to call Trent Reznor? Because did, did we I, decided that that part in Dirty, dirty Laundry. laundry. Give him with up. You could put that into the middle of a Nine Inch Nails song and it would sound perfect. Wow. You guys are always thinking music, right? You, you probably we're think more. <laughs> Can you ever turn it off? Do you ever? Are you? Let me ask you this. Because I know as a radio guy and I have radio in my blood. There were times even when I wanted to turn off the radio station I hear in my head. I couldn't. Even when I was around my, my family. Uh, is it? Can you turn off the music in your head seriously, or or is it an impossible task? I I mean, it's hard because yeah. you're always sort of. I mean, with me personally, <clears throat> I do. I have these weird little ticks where I like play drums with my teeth, and I'm always humming and things like that. So I'm just walking around writing riffs all day long. 
But I mean, I mean, I'm in the car. I'm always listening to music. Oh. At the house, I'm always. Listening. I know my poor kids. I don't no, know. No, I know. My wife says the same. That's all. Yeah. You just walk around like in your head in the clouds, and just thinking about music and like but either that's... thinking about someone else's music or trying to write something in my head or whatever. You know, just always, yeah. I just yeah, kind I of. Mean... I mean, that's. I think that's why we do what we do. Obviously, it goes without saying, but. I think I've been that way since I was a kid. Yeah. Because most people, yeah, most people love me. Like, I love music. I always have a song in my head that I've heard on the radio or something. Uh, whatever the last song I heard. You know, uh, I've, I've, God, most of the time I have songs that you guys have done. But the, the, that I would imagine a musician, it's at a different level. Like you walk around and it's like stop already. Like I, 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 my wife's complaining. I'm not in the room. I'm, I'm, my head's up my ass. It's just like you just would rather go to your room and capture some of those songs, right? It just, it just doesn't turn off. Yeah, I, I mean, whenever someone says, "Hey, my kid wants to play drums or starting to play guitar," you can always tell because the only way you get decent at it is to be kind of obsessed with it. I kind of, we were just pretty much obsessed with music. And as you say, still are kind of. And when you see the kid that is so obsessed with it and they have the drums and they have the guitar and they're thinking about it and they're talking to you about it all the time. Every time you see him, you go, okay, well, that kid's, he's fucked. He's going to be a musician. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucked. Yeah, it is. It's fucked up. It's a calling. And it doesn't always work out as great as it has for you two guys. Sometimes it works no. out where you never have success and you know it's hard to make a living you got to have three other jobs you know what i mean you've seen plenty of those guys and talented guys right guys who can really play yeah i mean we're pretty relentless that's the thing is we just don't stop you know we just keep yeah. <clears throat> whether it's the albums or the other projects and shit like that and i mean we actually like each other too that's the thing it's like we hang out all day talking about fucking glenn fry and don henley it's like <laughs> and trent reznor and Trent, put I'm those sure. three together. That's a super duper group. Yes. Do you guys think... know Trent Reznor really well? Uh, when you mentioned like, hey, we got to call Trent. Like, do you pick up the phone and call him every once in a while? Because that guy to me seems like the ultimate fucking musician. I mean, what a band that was. They were, you know, he was Nine Inch Nails. I mean, it wasn't really a band. It was it was Trent. And now he's doing movie scores and shit. I mean, that that guy, to me, he would seem like he'd be a true brother to you guys. He's a badass. Yeah, I've worked you, with him before. Yeah, I played drums on a Nine Inch Nails record a long time ago. So I got to like watch him work in the studio and, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's a master at what he does. He really, really is. And yes, he's very much responsible for everything Nine Inch Nails has ever done. He's a super big brain. And in the studio, he's just a wizard. He's a, he's a badass. He's an engineer as well, isn't he? Yeah. He I mean, can engineer his own record. He could do, he could do everything. He's awesome. When I saw him in concert, I was like, he seemed like, you know, back in the day when he had nine inch nails, it was, a, I thought he was a really scary dude, especially those videos and stuff, but he's kind of a normal guy, right? It was all, it's all, he was almost like an Alice Cooper, I guess. Or was it, or well, was it? I think it's real? a side to him. Like, I mean, well, that's, it's funny because, you know, I knew, uh, I had met him like in the early nineties or something like that. And, you know, he was in a real, I think he was in a really dark place in his life. And he, he really was that guy, you know, and then well, wasn't um, he recording like it? He recorded, he recorded at the house. I think we've talked about this. He recorded at the house where Sharon Tate was 
killed by the Seems like Manson that family. You in a dark place. <laughs> it was, I mean, that's yeah. dark you want to make some dark choice. fucking music, that's where you make it. And so then after years of not really seeing him, uh, I got an email asking if I wanted to play drums for this new Nine Inch Nails record. And I showed up and I was waiting for like, you know, some goth fucking bats in the belfry kind of shit. And he was like, he was doing really well. He, he finally like got, you know, got healthy and got happy. And I showed up and he was like, Hey, and we we're hugging. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And then we recorded a bunch of stuff really quickly and it turned out fucking great. And he, he, he was in a really good place. I think he's been in that place for a long time. He's, he's really good. So, so when he uh, taps you to play drums, you don't get nervous cause you're a great drummer, but are you, uh, is he directing you in a way? I mean, do you, yeah. And and why would he tap you to do that? Like, why wouldn't he just do his normal thing? Well, I think that he wanted to make a record with live drums, and I right. had made a record with a band called Killing Joke, which was kind of an old school punk rock um, heroes that we all we all love this band Killing Joke, and um, it's a great record. <clears throat> and so, probably precursor to Nine Inch Nails, kind of in a way too, right? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but a little bit. Go way back. Yeah. And anyway, so I, I played drums on live drums on their record. And so I think he called and said, Hey, do you want to come and do some of this stuff? But you know, he had really like mapped out these demos and made these recordings that sounded pretty much finished. He just wanted live drums on them. So I just went in and, you know, sometimes as a drummer, when you go in to play on a record, you're like a shorter cook. You know, right. you're like, okay, what do you want? And they're like, okay, well, I want this in the verse. Like, cool, you do that in the verse. What do you want? Hey, and then you give them a little something extra. Like, okay, I'm going to do it. Give me two more takes and I'll do some crazy shit. And you can put that in there too. So we basically just blasted through six or seven songs in in a few days. What an honor. You know, like you talk about that like it's nothing. But to me, it would be like, oh my God, I just played on a nine. Forget Nirvana. Oh, forget it was huge. Fighters, no, I mean, it was yeah. fucking huge. Like I get the email and he's like, hey, do you want to play drums on the record? And I emailed back, absolutely. He goes, when do you want to do it? I'm like, tomorrow. Uh, we were in wow. the studio within like 48 hours blasting through that shit. And Dave, there's no, like, you know, I know in my own career, there's always a financial consideration. Like, I don't want to do that. Maybe it's not the right money. But it seems like with musicians, if Trent Reznor calls you, you say, fuck it. I'm not going to worry about it. But is there a financial arrangement? Like, you just don't go to the studio and give your talent to this record. And then, uh, like you say, thanks for the favor. It's a financial thing, too, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, you don't walk into the studio with a contract in your hand. You're like, let's fucking right. jam. Let's do some cool shit and then see what happens after that. Because, I mean, sometimes you go in and record stuff and it's, you know, it never even comes out. So it just depends. And if he uses it. Do they send you a check? Is there a rate that a, a studio music, in a sense, he's hiring you, Dave Grohl, as a studio musician. Is it just like, here, here's your check for the day? Or is there some kind of rate worked out? I got to be honest. You know, I've played drums on a lot of people's records. Right. And that was the only time I asked to be paid. That was the only time. That's the only record. Like Tenacious D and Queens of the Stone Age, things like that. That with that. Nine Inch Nails thing was really the only time. You didn't get I'd paid ever. for that Queens of Stone Age shit? I mean, it's Union <laughs> Scale or something like that. Yeah. Damn. Really? I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because drumming, like, dude, I mean, I, listen, if someone says, come play drums on something, I'll just jump in my car, go down there. It takes 45 minutes, and then I go home. And it's fun. 
It, but does your manager ever say to you, would you stop doing that, Dave? Because uh, yes. let me at least. Yes, yes because it, I mean, if I can get, uh, I'm going to make a record and get you to play drums and fuck you. I'm not going to pay you. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So I you mean, said it, to Trent, you said to Trent yourself, Trent, by <laughs> the way, I do want to get paid for my work here. You said it. Not at first. No. Right. I mean, I walked in. I couldn't believe that i got to play drums on a nine inch nails record that was the most important thing to me like honestly right. just to be able to have this conversation right now and said hey i played on a nine inch nails record that's huge to me much more I, than I, money like that's big yeah because i get i love like learning that clapton was brought in to play guitar on while my guitar gently weeps or something you know yeah. i love that whole i to me it sounds so romantic that you take your drumsticks you go over to trent's place and you create something with him it's so fucking awesome yeah it, it's really cool musicians I are was, like that you know if you're like if it really is like a community where you'll call someone and say like like fee fee wable from the tubes Call Fee right. and Fee will come over and jam with you. Or call who? Call Joe Walsh. He'll come over and jam with you. And that other stuff isn't ever really part of the conversation. It's just more fun to jam. Fee Waybill of the Tubes. That was a band. The Tubes. That was a Dude, white you, punk song. You know dope. what's so crazy? I was at a I was at a thrift store once. <clears throat> And I was buying stuff for a Halloween party or something. And this big dude, I don't know if you've ever met Fee, but he's big, dude. He's like six foot seven. He's got a big head, huge hands. It's like he has gigantism. And I'm like right. at this thrift store and he comes over. He's like, are you Dave Grohl? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, I'm Fee Wable from the tubes. I was like, no fucking way. And we're standing there in this thrift store and he actually likes our band. Like he knew our songs and stuff. And he goes, hold on a second. I, I got to call Richard Marks. I'm like, what? <laughs> Richard Marks is the, Fee is the godfather to Richard Marks. And so I get on the phone with Richard Marks and now like we're buddies with Richard Marks and Fee Wable and it's cool like that. So, so you don't put down anybody's music in a sense. There, there isn't a time where you hear a song on the radio and go, oh, <laughs> you know, that's Richard Marks or that's, um, you know, I don't know, whatever the song would be. I always had the impression that the driving force behind like, nirvana or maybe even foo fighters is that like we're the anti you know we're 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 not about pop music or this or that but you have a genuine respect for these people but are there people who you say I, yeah do you ever say that shit music do you ever say it i say it all are, the time but i separate do. it from the person that makes the music like i i we could be friends and we can hate each other's bands that's fine i never assume that people like the foo fighters and to be honest like if i find out one of my friends really likes the foo fighters i kind of don't like them anymore really <laughs> like, not I, as much. I see it as like a character defect i'm like really what is a band yeah. you don't like in other words it's a, it's not Ooh. a personal thing it's not that you hate the people but it's just right. like i i don't understand like for me it's weird i'm going to tell you a couple of bands that i never responded to and i think it's weird Okay. I just never, except for the song, uh, maybe some of the album Pretzel Logic, but Steely Dan, I just don't respond to. I can't fucking deal with it. I can't deal. You're gonna, you're gonna hate me for saying this. I can't deal with Rush. I don't. You know, I had to play those records on the radio. It was like a punishment. I, 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 I couldn't <laughs> deal with it. Uh, you know. Uh, but you know what? Then there's other stuff that I love to hate. Like if there's a song that drives me fucking crazy. Makes me want to puke. I'll listen to it ten thousand times. I don't know why. Like there's songs I love to hate. And then, Tell me so a I don't song know if you I love, love it or hate. hate it. 
What's a song I you mean, love to hate? Be specific. Come on. Uh, Come on. Well, guys. let's I talk mean, music. It's funny that we started this conversation with like Glenn Fry and Don Henley. Like right. as a kid, I fucking couldn't stand the Eagles. I swear to God, I couldn't. There was something about them that drove me crazy. I don't know if it's because I'm an East Coast type and it was so West Coast, but it drove me nuts. And then I saw that documentary about them and realized like, oh my God, these dudes are thugs. Like they fucking hate each other. Oh, yeah. And then I was like, okay, now I like them. But did, didn't it change for you with the Eagles when they came out with Hotel California and they added Joe Walsh to the band? That's when it changed for me. You were, too, you were like, he was like seven. I mean, yeah, I was like <laughs> an embryo. Like, I didn't know. Uh, well, okay. yes, right. I mean, I did Joe Walsh without question. Uh, to yeah. me, he's definitely my favorite part of the Eagles. Well, he's the rock. Rocky rock, Mountain he's Way, the rock shit dude, like but, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just grew up, my mom would just listen to the Eagles in the car. So I, it just was kind of the wallpaper of my childhood so i i i didn't hate the eagles at all i loved the eagles but um but a lot of, but i think it's one of those things too like dave said it's a west coast thing you used to imagine dude smoking a pin or joint in a wicker chair listening to the eagles well, this is one of the things i love about the eagles now it's like they're singing about like you know, peaceful, easy feeling, and then there's like ferns everywhere and afros and gold chains, and then they're just doing more fucking blow than Scarface and getting and like fights on stage from? and getting like punching mounds of cocaine, just fucking so much blow, and they're like singing country music. That was not very what? peaceful, easy feeling. Yeah, what the fuck is that? <laughs> That's... What about the current music? Are you are you enamored with anyone, or are you kind of like uh, is anything driving you crazy? Who do you like? I love a lot of new music. I mean, I, you know, I like discovering new bands and I like a lot of, the, you know, there's a lot of artists like whenever Beck comes out with something, I usually right. fucking love it, man. He's really inventive. You never know where he's going to go with his music. He's, he's smart. He's quirky. He's a great songwriter. He Do can, you know he him? considered a poet. Absolutely. Yeah. He's one of my good friends. If he's a good friend, well, why, this is what I don't understand about musicians. Why don't you and Beck, or maybe the Foo Fighter guys would get upset or something, but why wouldn't you and Beck just one day say, let's go jam, let's see what happens. We have. Maybe we... What are you trying to do, what Howard, break up the fucking Foo Fighters? Well, I mean, Jesus. You know, <laughs> no, I mean, we there's have to break it up. we'll all hang out together and, like, you know, on a Saturday night, there'll be a piano and there's keyboards and there's bongos and shit like that. We'll just go for it. And it's someone's anything... living room. Do you ever turn to Beck and go, Jesus Christ, what we're doing here is blowing my mind. Why don't we work together? I don't understand why that doesn't happen. Sometimes maybe it will. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know. Don't. I mean, it's like it's one of those things where, you know, it's funny because our, our, we've done stuff together for like school fundraisers and stuff, which is we did a cover of the Cars Let's Go. Me right. and, and the producer, Greg Kirsten and Beck. It's fucking rad. It turned out really good. Yeah, I mean, I hear when you guys do the covers. I love that. For fun. Yeah. What do you make, Dave, of uh, Taylor's move with this band NHC? Taylor obviously has... I think it's awesome. A, he's with Dave Navarro. Dave, Dave, Dave actually sang on, on one of the songs we just put out. And, 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 and Taylor, you need that, right? You want to be a front man. When you are on the no, drums no, no, and no. you see Dave singing and, get, and getting all that attention, you say, <laughs> I need that. <laughs> I, need I that. want that. I yeah, want I want to be the front man. Yes. And well, I yes. see Taylor. I'm like Taylor needs this. So <laughs> yeah. I jump on the drums and he comes out front. It's amazing. I mean, if you've seen this play in the last, I don't know, five years or something like that, <clears throat> you know, Taylor comes out 
every once in a while, every night, he comes out and he sings this Queen song, Somebody to yes, Love. I know. The place goes it. fucking bananas. Like, it's nuts. And so I get to be a drummer, and I feel so comfortable on the drums. And Taylor goes out there, and he's like, the next Freddie Mercury. The place goes <sighs> apeshit. Go it's amazing. Um, you, you know... Dude, we, we've always done shit on the side. And yeah, I do need to have other avenues of creativity for sure. Because as we were talking about earlier, we're always walking around with songs and riffs and shit in our head. So mm-hmm. yeah, me doing stuff with Navarro and Cheney, that's, that's us. I call it a vacation home. Well, that's the way I look at, that's the way I look at side projects. They're like vacation homes, but home is Foo Fighters and, Everything kind of falls under that umbrella, and they're and it's just a great way. And nowadays, it's so easy to put out music and make videos and do anything so quickly and so easy that you literally can just call your bros over to your house and make an album in a couple months, and then just put it out. And well, yeah, listen, it's it, it, easy it, now. I just always worry about the dynamics of the band, where you know. Dave starts no, no, going no, off and working with other we're people. We're all of a sudden, he's like Glenn Fry, and I'm Don Henley, and we're right. making fucking solo records, and then we're going to have this conversation about who's got the best I think back songs. then in the day, I think in the day when a band had a guy do a solo record or a side project, that was really a thing. But I think nowadays, I mean, even if you look at hip-hop, they're all featuring this and featuring these people. I think it's pretty become pretty normal for bands to sort of intermingle. I mean... Like, take Josh Homme, he's always doing stuff with other people, plus he has Queens, and Dave will play drums with Queens every once in a while, and I'll do stuff with Navarro, I'll do something else with Perry, or I'll do something with Joe Walsh. You know, we're just always... Joe it, Walsh, too, he is the yeah, best. Yeah, he's the best, and we're, you know, we're, we're not getting any younger, and we just want to enjoy, I think, just making music to make music sometimes, you know? Because when we put on the Foo Fighters hat or the jacket or whatever drumsticks that's we're, we're there heels <laughs> we're there i want to i want i want to we're there I, for business you know but not in a bad talk, way we're you know so uh, go ahead no no i was just gonna say there's so much to talk to you guys about first of all you mentioned beck and beck just was nominated for uh rock and roll hall of fame and the last time you guys were here I, you know, I was talking about the Foo Fighters and who is going to uh, put you into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Dave, you said, I got someone, but I don't want to say it here. I want it to be a surprise and blah, 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 blah. And then it turned out you got Paul McCartney to induct you into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which you really can't do better than that. I mean, if you're going to get someone. Uh, other than me, I, I would think Paul McCartney would be. Well, we were uh, going to ask you, but you talked about how much you fucking hated doing it with Bon Jovi or whatever. Well, listen, uh, John asked me and I did it because I'm a friend of his. But but at the same point, uh, going to Cleveland, I mean, for me to leave New York and go to Cleveland, it's like it's like it's like pushing a barge. <laughs> I, 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 you, you guys got inducted in Cleveland, too, right? It wasn't in New York. Yeah. 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 When you uh, how does it come about? That you got the legendary, one of a kind, the the man who inspires us all, Paul McCartney. Now, how does it come about? Do you call him and say, Paul, uh, I need you to do this. Please do this. Uh, or do you have somebody else do it? I'd be too embarrassed to ask myself. Yeah, we didn't call him personally. I think somebody else did it. But we know him. I mean, you know, he's a really sweet yeah. guy. And we've known him for a long time. So I think he uh, agreed to do it. 
because he wanted to do it for us because we're friends. But um, th- we didn't make the personal call, no. Yeah, because that would have no. been awkward. That would have been weird. Right. Because then he has oh, to I, say I, no or he's yes, and he, he doesn't want to disappoint you, even though he's Paul McCartney. And yeah. you don't give him any kind of um, uh, 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 guidelines about what to say. You don't feed him any information. Whatever he says, he <laughs> says, and that's it. Paul, okay, now come here. Get over here, Paul. No, 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 come here. Here's what, what you you're going to say. You're gonna say. And if Listen, you fucking say this, we man, wrote this I, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> no, I thought it was neat the way he did the speech, and he sort of um, made the parallels between Dave being in Nirvana and that being this crazy you know tornado and then out of that dave found his way to the foo fighters and we slowly kind of made our way up um and i and his his he said it's sort of a similar story like the wings from the beatles and i i always kind of thought of us like the wings a little bit and I no, love you've said wings. it on the show you've said it yeah, you've said I, it on our show that that, I, that you guys I, are the wings of grunge yeah, and Dave, I was kidding, but I, mean, I know, but it was a funny line. It was a good line. And probably. <laughs> you said it on this show. Yeah. Well, well, well I mean, well, I, I even think Dave's songwriting in the wing stuff is similar. I mean, it's, it's, it's good so- song structures and, and it's a new, I mean, you know, for Dave to come out of Nirvana and have something as successful as it is, I mean, most people just don't get a second act like that, you know? They don't. Um, they don't. They don't. I've said that and, to Dave. Dave, Dave said, no, there have been bands who do it. You know, Clapton, uh, of course, went to uh, Cream. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Page was in the Yardbirds, blah, blah, blah. You can, you can point, but Nirvana yeah. was so big. And Paul was right, Dave. It was a good speech. He said, I was in the Beatles. Dave was in Nirvana. We both left those bands. And then we created something new. We went on to solo yeah. careers or, you know, in, the, in, in your case, Foo Fighters. Well, he even went through the part of going into a room alone and making all the music himself. And Dave did that, you know, yep. it was yeah. great. Yeah, it was a good it was a solid. It's speech. funny. I didn't I never really considered any of that stuff like as focused as what he was saying. You know, apparently I did. <laughs> Taylor put a lot of thought into this. I think Taylor wrote the fucking speech for Paul. As well. yeah, Paul, get over here, man. Get over here, my lawyer. I got something to say. Yeah. Wings, because... Fighters, Nirvana, Beatles, you get it. Go. The reason we, <laughs> we, we say this is because it is so rarely done. No one, except for maybe me, thought that Dave had a second act in him. I was probably the only one at that time when uh, the Foo Fighters came out. Let's rejoice. Let's, 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 let, why are we honoring these two boys today in the movie they have coming out? Because listen to just some of their work. This is beautiful. Oh my God. I got the chills. That song, come on. Wow. If that's not enough for you, he could have stopped there, but no, we went to this. And then they come out. like a K-Tel commercial I'm doing. <laughs> you can have all these hits and more on one CD. All on one CD. <laughs> it's like Festival, Monkey Wrench. And this bonus track. 
What a resume. <laughs> Fabulous. Wow, Fabulous Howard, I like music. all those songs on one CD. Do you know where I can find them? <laughs> As a matter of fact, you can for only fourteen ninety nine. One CD. It's quite remarkable. Wow, God. Whatever happened to those commercials? They don't listen. Oh, it. I love well, it. they, they now are Time Life commercials. Yeah. The Ario Speedwagon, right. dude. Kevin Cronin had a good one. I always remember that one. It was like a yeah. soft rock one. Remember those songs that touched your heart, and, <laughs> yeah. but yet rocked you at the same time? Tower ballads. That's right. Like <laughs> you're watching the hotel TV at two in the morning. You see those, and girls no, gone it, wild. <laughs> it's so great. To answer me a couple of questions before I talk to you about this film idea, because I, um, you know, I'm going to compliment you and say, you know, it's really kind of weird that bands. You talk about the Beatles. They did a Hard Day's Night. Uh, I remember going to the theater and seeing A Hard Day's Night when it came out. And I remember I'd sit there and when the Beatles came on the screen, or if it was a close-up of Ringo or Paul or George or John, girls would start screaming. I'm like, it's a fucking movie and girls are screaming. And I couldn't uh -huh. hear the dialogue. It was Hard Day's Night and Help. And uh, I don't feel like that's so going to happen at our movie. Yeah, I don't think we were going to have that. Yeah, I don't think the girls are going to be screaming. <laughs> I don't know. You guys aren't bad-looking guys. for their you know? fucking money back. Yeah, they were screaming for their, their metapause med medication. <laughs> no, but like the monkeys, the monkeys TV show. I point out too. The monkeys TV show. I loved when I was a kid. It was a band that introduced their music in creative ways through a story, and then they put out that uh, movie Head, which I never liked. But um, it was it, 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 it's a fun concept, and bands don't really do it anymore. They don't come out with a feature-length movie featuring the band. And it, and it's so interesting. But before I get to that, here's the thing I want to talk to you boys about. No oh boy. Talk to me about why you will not wear those uh, earpieces when you go on stage and perform. In other words, oh, in Dave, ears. you have said, what are they called? Ultimate ears, right? They're called in-ear in monitors. Yeah. Ear monitors. No, I see all the rock stars wearing ear monitors. Dave, you said your hearing is so fucked up now that you don't hear voices normally. They sound like they're like robots talking or something. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> I love well, how you not laugh. That it's like peanuts. It's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's What's not going that on? Bad. Have you well, been to I a mean, doctor? <laughs> I have not been to an ear doctor. Actually, I did go to an ear doctor recently just to get them cleaned out. That was a fucking mess. But I haven't had them tested in a long time. I mean, I know what they're going to say. You have ear, you have hearing damage, tinnitus. In, in tinnitus in your left ear, more so than your right ear. Like my left ear is kind of worse than my right because of my snare drum and my stage monitor when I played the drums. Um, but you know, I've, I've tried the ear monitor thing before a long time ago. And the, the problem that I have with it is it removes you from like the, the natural atmosphere sound, right? So like when I'm on stage and I'm playing, um, I want to hear the audience like in front of me and I want to be able to turn around and hear Taylor right there and then go over here and hear Pat and go over here and hear Chris and stuff like that. It just, it messes with your spatial. I can't even understanding of where you are on stage. And so, but you know, that being said, I've had the same monitor guy, the guy that mixes my monitors for 31 years. I mean, the guy is like, he's in my head. And so even though I'm not using in-ear monitors, my, the sound on stage for me is fucking perfect. Cause it's been the same guy, Ian Beveridge for 31 years since Nirvana. So I'm not up there just getting my ass kicked by some loud stuff. It sounds great. 
And I just don't like the in-ear things. <clears throat> Plus, I have little fucking ear holes. And those things, when I put them in, they just pop out. And I don't want right. to look like a, I don't want to look like a praying mantis with like these things all over my head. You know, I want to go out there and go nuts. Well, as someone who has looked like a praying mantis his whole life, it's not a bad look. I've always <laughs> uh, looked like that. But I, but here's the thing. You know, it's a crazy kind of mindset. It's like you die for rock and roll. If they tell you, hey, the music's too loud up there, you got to save your hearing. And, and by the way, your, your whole business is hearing and, and hearing sound. And yet you're willing to risk it all for rock and roll. And and I got to tell you, for me as a radio dude, I ride my headphones so hot it would make your ears bleed. And wow. I've been told by every expert, you got to lower the headphones. But it doesn't it doesn't work for me. I got to hear it loud and I want to hear what the audience is hearing. And yeah. so it's kind of a psychosis. It's a weird, you know, you're fucking yourself up. I guess it's like it's football strange. players. They know they're going to have brain damage, but they don't give a shit, right? You don't care. It's like, I got to do it my way. Yeah. I mean, I figure that we've been playing shows like this for so long. There's not much I want to change. And to be honest, when we go in to make a record and we're mixing an album, dude, I can hear the slightest little things. Like my ears are still tuned in to certain frequencies. And if I hear something that's slightly out of tune or a symbol that's you know not bright enough or something like that like i i in the mix i can fucking hear the minutiae of everything that we had done to that song like i really can that being said if you were sitting like next to me right here at dinner i wouldn't understand a fucking word you were saying to me the whole fucking time there's no way in a crowded really? restaurant that's the worst not that's the worst thing about this pandemic shit is like people wearing masks. I've been reading lips for like 20 years. So right. when someone comes up to me, they're like, I'm like, I'm, I'm a rock musician. I'm fucking deaf. I can't hear what you're saying. The best where, are you, where are you guys at with the pandemic? Uh, you know, it seems to me like uh, two times ago when we talked, it was really kind of weird that you guys were even in the studio and we were playing. You know, it was like all like walking on the moon. Uh, now I see you going out on tour again. It seems like I was watching the Super Bowl. Nobody's wearing masks and, and things like that. Uh, you guys are pretty comfortable being around one another. You haven't, I'm, I'm assuming you haven't been tested. So where are you at with this? Are you still paranoid we about got, this? Got, actually, we got tested yesterday. We got tested yesterday. We, get, we still oh, get tested did. all the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, the way we work within our organization, touring organization and the studio and live stuff like that, we have like a pretty, we've got a pretty strict uh, way of doing all of these things like at the studio, <clears throat> our crew on tour, um, when we play, where we play, because the most important thing to us is that we continue to do what we do, uh, but ensure that everybody is watching themselves and making, uh, making sure everyone's safe, you know, just trying to like take care of each other. We're not just like walking around fucking spitting on each other all the time. It's like right. we're actually paying attention to it to make it work. And and last year we did a bunch of touring and it worked. So we're just going to continue to to come, like move forward and keep it moving as long as we can do it safely. That's what we do. Can, it seems can like you, can you believe this is the world we live in? I mean, it's fucking. It crazy. seems like yeah. each wave that comes like like it was you know big and scary. You know, at first with COVID, people were really dying a lot. And then it seems like with each strain and each new wave, it, it gets a little bit less terrifying. 
and people seem to lighten up a little bit more each time. I mean, obviously, if you go to Florida, everyone's lightening up a lot. But I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think that we're still following all the protocols that we need to, you know, just because it's business as well. And we want to just keep on the road. Like once we get out there, we don't want to stop. Obviously that would be a bummer. And, um, so yeah, we have to kind of sequester ourselves a little bit when we're on the road. Yeah. It's also fucking weird. It's so, it's so, it, it is must weird. be hard to be in your business right now and go out and do it. What was this? VR concert you guys did at the Super Bowl, uh, after the Super Bowl, it was, um, what do they mean VR, virtual reality? I mean, it's basically a TV performance, right? Where guys are wearing goggles and they can watch you. I mean, but they yeah. call it VR, right? Yeah, there's <clears throat> these Oculus things. It was really, it was new to us. I mean, we're like fucking right. Amish compared to most everybody. So like they, they're like, yeah, put these fucking things on. But I mean, the best part was that we filmed it on this set with this genius director, this guy, Mark Romanek, who's like such a badass and the lighting was really cool. So, you know, I, I didn't know. I got the fucking, the Oculus things. I didn't watch our performance on those things, but when I took them home, it's like, I put it on and played some fucking game in my living room where I'm like skydiving and shooting dinosaurs <laughs> and shit. I'm like, this yeah. is, I felt like I was on mushrooms. I'm like, this is insane, man. This is great. Dave, last time you were on, I didn't ask you about this, but I love to talk about um, heartache because, you know, listen, a lot of your songs are written about uh, things, matters of the heart. But this was in your book, and I never got to ask you about it. And I'm sure people who are going through a similar situation want to hear about this. When you were, um, when you were dumped at your senior homecoming dance, <laughs> the dance was on a boat. And you, you were, I love this story. You were seeing some girl, you took her to the, to the homecoming dance, but it was on a boat and you were stuck after she dumped, she dumped you right at the beginning of the dance. And then you were stuck on the boat for the rest of the night for hours because you can't yeah. escape. You can't jump off the it's boat like the and swim home. Fucking Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. This is good for people to know because now they see you as a huge, successful rock star. But you suffered that kind of pain. This sounds like Howard Stern type pain. Can you elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it was, I mean, this is one of my best friends. We are still great friends. I mean, this goes back to like 16, 17 years old. So right. I grew up in Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. And uh, I fell for this girl that lived in Washington, D.C. And she went to this really prestigious private school. She was this brilliant girl. Um, from a really good family and she was, she was a fox and she was awesome and she was a rocker, but she was a, an intellectual and just such a super badass. And I was just some scrubby dork from Springfield, Virginia. And so we were like kind of <laughs> dating back and forth and whatever. And then it right. was time for, uh, the homecoming thing. So their homecoming was on this boat that would go from Washington, DC down the Potomac to Mount Vernon, like an hour and a half, and then just U turn and come back to, to DC. So I didn't know really anybody from the school. I was the, I mean, I literally went to Salvation Army, no money. I'm the other side of the tracks. Got some weird new wave suit, like the kid from fucking Pretty in Pink. I'm like, that's me. And I get yeah. some stupid suit and get on this fight with all these like really ducky. brilliant. I'm like Ducky, <laughs> like brilliant, <laughs> rich kids from Washington, D.C. And I get on there 
And yeah, I thought everything was fucking great. I thought like everything was going really well. Even I didn't really know anybody and I'm wearing the Salvation Army shit. And we got about halfway down to Mount Vernon. And then that's where like we had the talk. And it was like, yeah, oh. I'm, I'm, I think we should just be friends. kind of. And so then, yeah. So then I'm like, I want to jump off the fucking boat. But I'm stuck <laughs> until for another hour and a half going all the way up to there's people dancing and like. Yeah, it sucks. What are you doing when you're stuck? Do you sit in a chair while people are dancing and just <laughs> sit there self-consciously? I think, you know, in my mind, I was, well, I think, no, I, I think I was kind of like hanging over the side of the boat, just like wanting to fucking jump in or puke or whatever. But how I was cruel. living my own John Hughes movie in my mind. I mean, this but is how like cruel. formative years. But how yes. cruel of this woman there, to dude. do th- <laughs> yeah, right. If Taylor had been there. If I was there, it, I would have but... been like, let's go steal some shit. <laughs> <laughs> but we but here's the thing. We, let's go steal some shit. What a horrible thing for a, a young girl to do to a young boy. I mean, really. I mean, d- you know, dance with him for the rest of the night and then dump him. So, you know, it, 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 she could have been. A, have you, does this girl, uh, have you had your revenge by now seeing this girl later in life and saying, ha, ha, ha. I Absolutely was in Nirvana. We have you been best friends the entire time. We remain friends after that. We are You're still kidding. friends. You still oh, no. know her. I know her. Absolutely. Like our families are friends. Like we've we've known each other since we were like fifteen or sixteen years old. Honestly. Oh God. Oh, that's yeah. horrible. I, I mean, no, I would fine. not be friends with like, her. She's cruel. She's cruel. Come on, Howard. <laughs> She's an amazing person, and we're still great friends. I love her. I really do. We've known each other more than half our lives. I told you how much I loved your book. I thought it was great, the book Storyteller. Did it do well? Were you happy with the result, Dave, financially, commercially? Uh, yes. I never, you were, but people, yes. because it really was great. I, I thought you did a wonderful job with it. And I, and I really felt like I knew your origin story and the, and the rise to fame to Nirvana. I thought it was one of the better rock and roll books. Thanks. And, Thank and, and people responded. They read it. Yeah, they did. I mean, <clears throat> I wasn't really sure. Well, first of all, I didn't know how to write a book and then just right. kind of wrote those short stories, had a great editor, uh, the people at Day Street, the book company, they were awesome. I did a bunch of interviews and press and shit for it. And, uh, and it's, it, you know, it did really well and I want to do it again. It was really fun. The- the audiobook version is uh, nominated for something called the Audio Book Awards uh, that I wrote. That I, but you're up against Barack Obama. Will you beat the pants off Barack Obama <laughs> and take home the award? I would have to say no. But when I found no. out I was in the same category, I bragged to all my friends. I'm like, yeah, yes. I'm up against Obama. <laughs> and I want to say to Taylor, the last time he was here, I know that um, the Alanis Morissette documentary came out. Now, I watched it. They said that Alanis was How do you get the book it? and all this other stuff? <laughs> I, know what you're, <clears throat> I know where you're going. No, I'm going to say <laughs> I enjoyed the documentary. Oh, okay, I don't good. know why she was upset about it. That was what was reported in the media, that she wasn't happy. I mean, the only thing you said was it was a debaucherous uh, year that you went out on tour. In other words, you were a young man. You, you made love to many a many groupies. Is that such a horrible thing? I mean, it wasn't. Uh, I don't think that's was, what was, she was. So is that so wrong? Is that I wrong? Really think... I mean, uh, that's the only reason I would learn to play drums. I don't really think that's what she was so upset about. I think it had more to do with her <clears throat> story and some of the stuff that happened. pre. Really? When we got to where I met her. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I thought it was going to be worse. Like as far as, you know, this sort of 
gnarly, you know, what do they call them, gaslighted or whatever. And they'd say now it was going to be this big deal. And I watched it and I and actually texted her after and I said, I don't, I think we're okay. I think it's I, not. I enjoyed I it. Thought it was, I thought it was good too. I thought it was good actually. And I thought it was fun watching the performance of our band. We were a great band and, yeah. um, and I thought she came off great and her voice is, I mean, I went and saw her at uh, Hollywood Bowl. I don't know, like nine months ago, and my I took my wife. She she didn't had never seen her and really wasn't a fan necessarily when it when she came out. She was more into band jam band music. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, and we were so <laughs> blown away. Yeah, we were so blown away at her voice and her stage presence because I hadn't really seen her since I'd been sitting behind her um, playing drums. And no, I think I think I don't think it was as gnarly as as. I thought it was going to be. Boys, um, oh, how, yeah. how was your Valentine's Day? I, everyone wants to know about your romantic life. Is it fair to say that both of you had sex with your wives on Valentine's Day, or did you uh, not have that? I think we did 100 interviews yesterday. I think that was our that was our Valentine's Day. Yeah, we you had kidding? sex on for the Sunday, movie. Howard. <laughs> really? You had sex on have, so, so So there was no sex day. for we you guys. We have one day. No, when you have three kids, you have a day. It's right then there's a certain hour and you know it's called marriage. can you believe it can you believe it i mean uh that, that, that here you are these two big famous uh rock stars and uh, no sex on valentine's day and i had sex on i was valentine's too tired day. oh you, well i just thought i would dog. drop that in let's talk about this movie because <laughs> let's I talk about thought, your sex on valentine's day come on howard let me tell you something all three minutes of it was perfect for me i don't know about her hey. <laughs> damn right I know. You uh, thought I was a two-minute man. I can hold uh, out. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, uh, let's talk about the movie. A great idea. Mm. Now, uh, the movie is called Studio 666. Six, 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 six. Yeah. 666. And, and it really is, you know, Taylor, I don't know about you, but when Dave starts talking about all the weird shit that's happened in his life with ghosts <laughs> and uh, UFOs and all this crap, uh you know <laughs> you laugh right taylor i mean it's a little I bit of like, oh here he goes again with the ghosts and the ufos they're <laughs> 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 talking about ghosts and ufos again yeah uh, in fact I, when i'm watching the movie i, I realize <laughs> that this is dave's thing dave once went to a psychic or something and uh, the, the psychic turned to dave i remember i think i read about this in the book and the psychic says to dave have you ever uh seen ufos and Dave said, well, I, I've had dreams of UFOs. And the psychic goes, those are not dreams. You have been aboard the alien ship. And Dave believes it, right, Taylor? I mean, he, he thinks there's something going on here, something metaphysical. I mean, uh, um, we try not to talk about it too much, and most of it's confidential at this point. But I think yep. there will come a time when he can talk about it. Dave, the talk is about out it. There, Howard. The truth is out there. Dave, are you still carrying on with it? I know you really believe. Listen, I'm not a fucking UFO freak. Like, here's the thing. Right. When I was young, I, like, read some Project Blue Book thing, and then I convinced all my friends that I understand UFOs, and I'd, like, go to their front lawn and see blades of grass that were discolored and be like, oh, they definitely had a fucking UFO laying here. Whatever. Um but I've never, I'm not like UFO obsessed. I don't, I don't not believe it. I mean, who's to say? Like, I, I don't know. So but. I'm, I'm into it that way. But as far as ghosts and shit, <clears throat> I've only lived in one house that I thought was creepy and haunted and that's it. And I fucking stayed there. 
Well, first of all, why would you stay if there was if you really believed there was a ghost? I get the fuck out of that house so fast. It was a but nice you, fucking house, and I've had worse roommates than that in my life. I was like, okay, like what? There's footsteps in the kitchen. A light just went on. I have nightmares about some old lady in my living room. Whatever. Could but be you were at the point where you would sit there and go, "Ghost, I'm coming into the room, uh, so please be aware. I don't want to frighten you, and I don't want you getting <laughs> upset." Right? You would talk to the ghost. Yes, I got to the point where I was talking to fucking nobody in my basement. Yes, I did that. <laughs> so the movie is in keeping with that. It's a great idea because you have always said where you record an album matters. Like you said, Trent Reznor goes to Sharon Tate where she was murdered, that house, that famous house, and does an album. You really do believe at the end of the day that where you record the album, somehow the album takes on a flavor of that home or that recording studio. Yeah, I do. I do believe that the environment in which you record something, uh, it it determines the outcome or the sound of whatever you're doing. Like if you threw us in some cold, dark basement, and we recorded a song, it would sound like that. If you put us on the beach in Malibu and recorded, it, it would sound like that. So, yeah. And so you say when you guys recorded your last album, you you got this weird place that was, again, haunted or there was something sort of weird going on in the house there were murders or something in the house is that correct that was a lie but yes we did say that we did say that all right so but we but did. there was we what was it about for us for the movie we thought the movie and the album were going to come out together so we you used everybody me. like we just we I, this is the thing we fucking okay i'll tell you exactly what happened okay. three years ago we were writing music for that record medicine at midnight the last one that came right. out and around that time, this friend of mine texts me and says, hey, I was just in a meeting. Not somebody that works with the band. Hey, I was just in a meeting, and these people said they want to make a horror film with the Foo Fighters. And I was like, that's the stupidest fucking idea I've ever heard. Why would we ever do something so dumb? No way. That's really dumb. There's no way. So at that same time, I was looking for a place for us to like demo music. Not in the studio. Maybe rent a house. Like Just find a house. And coincidentally... My landlord from 10 years ago, this house in the movie, I lived in that house 10 years ago while I was remodeling oh, wow. my place down the street. He's like, hey, I'm going to sell the place. Do you want to buy it? And I was like, no. Um, but if we can rent it to record some shit in there, that'd be cool. He's like, great. So we move in there and we start demoing stuff. And then I was like, wait a second. We're in this creepy old house. We could fucking make the record, take two weeks off. And then make some really quick, low-budget, slasher, gore, bullshit film just for fun. So then I came up with this idea. I was like, oh, uh, you know what? Okay, Foo Fighters move into a creepy house. House turns out to, to be haunted. I become possessed. I kill the whole fucking band, and then I go solo. That was the basic right. premise of the whole thing. <laughs> and so I thought, well, that'll be fun. you know. And all the guys were like, yeah, why not? What the fuck? We've, been, we've done stupider shit than that. And right. uh, then all of a sudden it was like, then there were screenwriters. Then there's a fucking table read. Then there's a fucking special effect. And then it turned into a full-length feature film. And we're just like, holy shit. Well, let me ask you this, because it is a risk. And I'm sure Taylor and you had this feeling. You know, you're a band with a lot of credibility. And sometimes that can, that can stifle creativity. It's a fun idea on paper for the Foo Fighters to go make a movie and to, to do that. But you got to say to yourself, wait, we're the Foo Fighters. People love our music. If we make a fucking shitty movie and if we're like too goofy in it, 
we could end up actually being the monkeys and our music won't be taken seriously. You must have really, when, when they started bringing in screenwriters and everything, I am sure you had a million discussions like that. We're Absolutely s- not. Uh, yeah, you have to look at the 26 years <laughs> of those fucking videos that we've been making. We're like, right. you know, people on the airplane. And if I, yeah, I mean, we've, it's like, I, we were, if any band was going to do this, it was going to be us. And it's that thing where it's, I think people appreciate us for that side of what we do. It's like, we make records, we take those really fucking seriously. We go out and we play shows, we take that really fucking seriously. We want to make great songs, we want to be the best live band in the world. Everything outside of that, it's like, come on. Like, what are we going to, like, are we going to try to look like this cool, handsome rock band and like, yeah, we're like the, you know, the saviors of rock and roll. Fuck that, dude. I mean, we have so little time. Why not? Why not do it? Yes. You had the right attitude. That's why I like the film. The film is goofy and funny. It's like, you know, I could see the Beatles or somebody doing something. That's what they did with Hard Day's Night. They didn't take themselves seriously. Taylor. As yes. an actor, you really shine in the film. It's obvious you're going to be nominated for an Academy Award. He's got the tux. And when Dave kills you, um, it's not a secret because Dave has already said that everyone yeah, in the Dave band gets said killed. That, yeah. That's right. I'm not giving a spoiler. Uh, I love the way you're killed in the movie. I love that you're killed <laughs> with you. drums. I really think it's great. And I love watching your head split in half. It, it, um, <laughs> Why? It was, Do you like, love that so much, Howard? That's, that's... It was funny. It was funny. Okay. It was the band laughing it at was it. It was his so. idea. It, that was Taylor's idea, by the way. Yeah. What, what, um, they had a yes. very elaborate way of, of, of killing me, which involved barbed wire around my hands and arms and cutting my arms off and prosthetic arms, all this stuff. And I frankly just sounded like too long of a day. I'm lazy when it comes. I'm lazy when it comes to making fucking movies. I just said, I just said, fuck that. Just grab a cymbal off the drum set, throw it. I'll stand up against the wall, sling it at my head and cut my head in half. And I like the special effects. Okay. It's great. And it was a lot easier than what they were going to do. I liked it. Uh, And and your acting, obviously, you are a student of Meryl Streep like I am. Uh, (laughs) You you uh, but but you did not stick to the script. You ad lived all your lines. Is that correct? The whole thing. You refuse to memorize. It's like refusing to do your homework kind of thing. Right. Right. So and I just like and also I'm not an actor, Howard. I mean, when you did private parts, was that weird for you when you had to act as you kind of had to act as you, which yeah, was, it was a trip. Must the have been first a trip. two days, I told this story this morning on the air because Ivan Reitman, the executive producer, uh, died. He was a wonderful guy. And yeah. uh, I said, the first two days I was on the set, I thought I was going to kill myself. I went, oh, my God, this is harder than I thought. And they were asking oh, me so to hard. act. And, and, and I had to learn lines. And actors had to come in and do this and that. And then I got into the rhythm of it. And I loved it. Right, right, I right. Loved it. I never the got first into the two rhythm days, of it. You, you, it, it is fun to I act, did, is it not? It, I, it's it, fun I, doing it the way that we did it because we kind of we don't call it method acting; we call it method <laughs> acting. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. that's how we make movies. Is, no, do I mean, you guys have do Do you guys have a problem with Pearl Jam? Is there some sort of rivalry there? No, because I love Pearl oh, Jam. There are friends. This is the thing. The, like in the film, that was an improv moment. There's an improv <clears> moment <throat> in the film where we're like, "All right, let's go make a record," and we were all supposed to high five. And I go, Pearl Jam high five. Cause of that, their first album's got the guys like high fiving on it, you know? On 10. And so, on 10, yeah. that record. Yes. And so, uh, 
And so this what, is a look, question that we, everyone's asking us, like, what's wrong? You don't like no, Twitch? Love, like, we fucking know those guys. I thought I was going to have to call Eddie Vedder and say, what's the beef between you and the Foo Fighters? Because <laughs> He's our bro. He's our bro. Yeah, but wait a dude. second. He might take it the wrong way. Every time you guys do a goofy high five, you go Pearl Jam high five. And to hey. me, it's... But to me, it's like you guys are goofing on the idea of a high five. You know what I mean? Well, like, we, you don't... I mean, to be honest, we don't high five often. Exactly. Like, I, you know, well, here's the thing is I don't, did people high five when you were a kid? I feel like that came later, sort of. I'd like they, were people high fiving in the fucking seventies? I don't think I don't it was think like a, a, no, a, they weren't. High fiving is even, not I'm considered. not even good at high fiving. Like I always hit the wrong side of the fucking hand. It's a mess. Uh, high, yeah. When you see somebody high five, you think nerds. You know, you think, hey, what is no, that? There's so sports stars high, high five, and don't they high five? Don't no high fiving is deadly now. No? If you high five, you're not getting laid. <laughs> high fiving is me. over. You know what? We're it's the nail over. in that fucking coffin. It's over. So in the movie, you go Pearl Jam high five. I thought maybe you had some beef, and I love Pearl Jam. No, I mean, I, no, we love them. So do we. Okay, okay. all right. Guys, a long time. You have to understand also, like, is the Foo Fighters. We're like those fucking bad kids at school that smoke cigs on the playground. You know, like, that's just us. We're not the well, fucking straight A when, students, that's for sure. I, I think when Mr. Eddie Vedder goes to the movies, and I know he's probably going to go opening night, he's going to sit there and go, what's with the Pearl Jam high five? That's a, well, tell me something we are here, we are here to tell Eddie we love you, and you know that, Ed, and we're just we having love fun. You. And he one would, of my he's have, gonna fucking and laugh. he would have fun with us. He's a funny guy. Yeah, he's he is. One of the my favorite scenes in the movie is this roadie. His name is Krug, I guess. Um, now, is this guy who plays the roadie? He, he gets electrocuted, and I like when his head shows up in the barbecue. I like a barbecued head. I think it's a funny image. It's a gory image. And I was laughing when I saw the guy. You were making uh, food in the barbecue and you see the head of uh, this guy, Krug. Is he an actor or is that your real roadie? That is the guitar player of Slayer, Carrie King. Oh. oh. That is metal royalty. Like, if you're going to make a horror film and you got a fucking dude from Slayer in it, here's the greatest thing. We got a guy from Slayer in the movie. And Lionel Richie at the same time. Come yes. On. I know. Bumping. I liked. Just hand me I the Oscar. It. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> what is your hope and dream for the movie? The movie is coming out. Let's see. Let me. I have my sheet here. I should give a plug. Sundance. 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 I feel like we missed that. <laughs> Studio 666. Eddie's, it's a horror. Film. Know, is that TV? It's a horror. It's film. a horror film starring the Foo <clears throat> Fighters um, with many guest appearances. And there is, there. in fact, I don't know if, am I giving away if I say how uh, Whitney Cummings uh, is murdered in the film? Yeah, you got to say that. That's a good one. All right. That's a good, say, that's a good that, one. Yeah. Very good sexy. One. Uh, Whitney Cummings. And uh, there's each band member dies. And I think I'll I'll keep it a secret how they die. But it's very gory. There's a lot of blood. A lot of blood. Chainsaws. I was going to say, boy, there's blood all over this movie. There's, there's blood. That's right. Uh, Studio 666 is going to open in theaters Friday, February 25th. And uh, what we're hoping for is, as the boys say, oh, oh I know what I'm, I've got to ask you. Why didn't you put any of the songs in? I thought you would use the movie to promote uh, your last album. So I thought that maybe... The music from the last album would have been in the movie, but you decided not to do that. Why? Well, I mean, originally, 
they were going to come out at the same time. And so this is why we were telling everybody, like, yeah, we just finished making a record in this haunted house. It was fucking crazy. Like, we heard voices in the Pro Tools recording thing. People would come back, chairs were moving, and we'd set up cameras, and we saw these things. We were basically saying all of that, so the day the record came out, we'd also drop this horror film. But the timing got all fucked up by the pandemic. Like, we started all right. of this right before the pandemic, and then everything shut down and whatever. So, but that, you know, in the movie... The premise of the movie is that we move into this house. I have writer's block. I'm totally uninspired. I can't come up with anything. And I wind up finding this creepy basement. And I go into the basement. I find this tape by a band uh, from 25 years ago that recorded there. And it's there's this song that if recorded and completed, the fucking demon in the house is unleashed. And then whatever, all hell breaks loose. So. It's more about this one song that we're I trying see. to record. It's a 45-minute song in the movie. It's a which big, is long great. song. Never it's like yes. a heavy metal opus, yes. The, the song in the movie is called March of the Insane. Is that correct? The one that you uh, record? Well, no. The song that we record in the movie is called Lacrimus de Ibrius or some Latin shit. I don't even know what it means. Right, and, right, uh, right. But this March of the Insane song, there's a band that recorded in the house 25 years ago. And they were, they were murdered by their lead singer. And we come in 25 years later to record without, to have no idea what happened 25 years ago. And I start becoming possessed by the spirit of the guy from 25 years ago and the spirit of the house. But this song, March of, of the Insane, this is their lost record. This was the record they were making before their singer murder, murdered him. I am going to play a bit of this now. This is from the movie. Foo Fighters in a new way. The Dave is obsessed by Satan himself, right? Yes. He changes the whole sound, really, of Foo Fighters, as far as I'm concerned. Well, this is this is actually isn't us. This is the band from 25 years ago. This is oh. the record they made right before the singer killed them. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. I feel the evil. I feel it. It's evil. That's some fucking dark shit right there. That is some dark shit. You know, uh, Fred who works with me just sacrificed a goat while he was listening to that. <laughs> hey, there you go. Crazy. Um, wow. I tell you, there it you is. Know, well, I was watching the, the movie. I'm like, is this anything like what it's like to record, you know, when the Foo Fighters are in the studio? Because Dave's running around telling everybody what to do. And, you know, people are like, oh, fuck him. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like that. I just don't kill and eat them. That's it. That's the biggest difference. Hold the murder. Eat anybody. Hold so the want. We want people to go to the movie and rejoice in the Foo Fighters. This is a big accomplishment for the band. To actually get a movie made is very difficult. We all know that. And, and uh, who directed? And expensive. <laughs> did, 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 did the movie cost a lot to make? Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, the thing was is that we, we paid for the whole thing at first. So we wanted to wow. keep it a secret. So we just kind of fronted all the money. And then, uh, wow. and then you know, we did a deal and we eventually sold it. But, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't cheap. 
I think, you know, by movie standards, it was it's considered like a pretty sort of low budge kind of thing. Yeah, because our movies like fifty trillion dollars. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like we did, we didn't spend what does it hundreds cost of millions. Like a Tom Cruise movie now, that's like, for sure. One hundred seventy-five yeah. well, million dollars. You got a lot of cool effects in there. All the murders and the blood and the gore. You know, you, it's got. You can't skimp on that stuff. You know, we no. want to see. Well, the guy that did all the the guy that did the special effects is this dude Tony Gardner, who's we've worked on videos with him before. That run video where we're like really old people at a senior citizen. He did the prosthetics for that, but he's like old school Hollywood special effects legend. He invented Chucky. He's like in the thriller video. He's been around for fucking ages. And he's a super badass. So he was the one that like came up with all the kills. He's the sweetest guy in the world. He's like really nice, gentle, sweet kind of guy. He's like, I know what you could do. You could, you know, put Chris's head in a barbecue and like slam it shut and then stab him 50 times and then fucking eat him. I'm like, oh my God, Tony, what are you doing? You're, you're insane. Um, I love and then it. BJ, I love the director, it. he's worked with us before. So it was really like kind of a clue, a crew of friends and people that we know. How great would it be if you actually went out and killed the entire band in real life? And uh, I said, it would is be... there a secret message in here? <laughs> <laughs> it would be so great. That's what we were thinking. I'm yeah. living out my fucking 26-year fantasy of fucking murdering my band and then going solo. Like Don Henley and Glenn Fry. <laughs> did anyone, did anyone, belong to the city. Did anyone say to you, you guys are nuts to be putting up your own money. I mean, one of the rules of show business is you don't put up your own money for a movie. I mean, it, it was it. Did your wife pull you aside, Dave, and say, "Listen, honey, no, I love my you." My fucking but... manager did. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, what did he say? You have to remember. Well, I mean, you also have to understand we were doing this before the pandemic, and I was like, "Nah, we'll fucking go play a bunch of stadiums. It'll be fine." And then the world right. shut down, and, and then like, the pandemics, you know, stopped us halfway in our tracks. So. We were about halfway done with the movie, maybe three. Taylor, you away. put up your own personal money. Well, we we had just worked. We had done so much touring for Concrete and Gold, so um, you know, we just sort of, yeah, we did. Wow, but all right, you're pretty kind of ballsy. You well, know, you know, no one would I... give us the money to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Well, when I was watching it, you know what I said to myself? I said, I wish the Beatles had done a movie like this with John barbecuing Paul's head. And it would have been fantastic. But they never did it, you know. Hell. Uh, boys, I applaud you. I applaud your integrity, putting up your own money, uh, also your bravery. That's uh, not an easy thing to do, you know. And uh, I congratulate you on the film. I think it's a great idea. Do you think more bands now will start putting out feature length films? I do. I believe they well, will. We, we talked about, you know, of course we were like, well, shit, is there a sequel? Is it a franchise? And we thought, man, what if other bands just took this and did Studio 667, 668, 669? And we we're trying to think of other bands that would do it. And we've like, it's like, is it like, well, is it a we, Weezer rom-com? Yeah, is yeah. it like a Wu-Tang <laughs> sci-fi? Like, what is it? Like, could who's who uh, could do it? Yeah, let's see them go into different genres. I would love that. Yeah. That I'd like really I'd good. like to see the Eagles make a horror movie. Why not? <laughs> right. <laughs> Pearl Jam in World perfect. War II, yeah. like in Glorious Past. Like, you could do this. Why not? Pearl Jam in World War II is the greatest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm telling I mean, where, you. Where they kill Hitler, though. We have an alternate ending. I right. love it. Coldplay yeah. and The Fugitive, like it could be an action-adventure. We could go anywhere with this, Howard. Come on. Uh, the Weezer rom-com uh, really good. The Weezer rom-com, that wins, though. Weezer rom-com. The, the, yeah. the, 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 did you guys save any mementos from the movie? Did you save the prosthetics? Did you save the barbecued heads? Um, I'm sure they you know, I, I have a bunch of stuff, yeah. Yeah. You do? Good. Yeah. 
you know, uh, guys, let me let me sum it all up like this. I believe the boys <laughs> have really hit into something. I believe there are going to be other rock bands. I believe Air Supply versus Freddy Krueger is the next big film to come out. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, how about Neil well. Young versus David Crosby and a bunch of zombies? What do you think of that? I mean, <laughs> I could see, you know, <laughs> Neil hates you. Crosby and it would be a, a dynamic film. Oh, I can only, how, how's this is for an idea? And don't steal it. I'll be pissed. Chucky meets Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Come on. Or <clears throat> Pearl Jam kills Hitler and then they all high five. Program high five. Why wouldn't you high five after that? I mean, come on. One last idea. Godzilla versus Tony Bennett. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Taylor, I congratulate mm. you. I thought it was very magnanimous of you in your Rock and Roll Hall of Fame acceptance speech. You lobbied for the following people to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. George Michael, Jane's Hell Addiction. Yeah. Boy, were you yeah. right on with Jane's Addiction. Come on. And Soundgarden, of course. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah, you have to remember, dude. If you remember back in 1988, 89, when uh, Jane's came out and then and then Soundgarden not soon after um that was like a real like oh man there's gonna be good rock music because it was getting to yep. the point where rock music was kind of not it's just, like I liked Van Halen and early rat but it was getting kind of like what what's gonna is there gonna be something good coming and as soon as you heard Jane's Addiction and as soon as you heard Soundgarden you were like yes there is there is it was a seismic the, there's rock it, it was, on the horizon that's it was a good. seismic shift in the way music was uh, being produced and heard. It was uh, absolutely. You're absolutely right. It was making it right. kind of smart again or something. I don't mean to say smart, but that sounds kind of. But you know what I mean? Like it was getting gutter, gutsy and smart or interesting and, you know, not just about partying or whatever. Um, and then George Michael. I just think that guy's got the best voice of all well, time. No offense to George Michael. Jethro Tull before George Michael. I, I don't understand that yet. one. No. no. That's pretty trippy. Yeah. I think King Crimson should be in. Ian McDonald died this week. Uh, one of the King, original King, Crim King Crimson. In and the court. Let me, let me honor them. In the by court of the Crimson this. King. In the court of the Crimson the King. Love that. That like was really about good. A, talk about Oh, yeah. Man. What the oh, fuck was that? Vocals. Don't fuck stuff. with me. I'm a rock star over here. I want one of Are those effects pedals. Oh, my God. My <laughs> voice from doing that. D Dave, how does your voice not blow out? Seriously. Do, do, I will you train? I mean, you scream sometimes. <laughs> and I go, oh, trained. God, don't. I don't want you to lose your voice. Uh, you don't worry about stuff like that. You're hearing your voice, nothing. I don't know. I don't know why it doesn't. I think I'm genetically predisposed to scream your my voice fucking hurt? balls off every night. After you do a concert, does your voice hurt? Do you have to like live in silence for a few days? No. Uh -uh. Wow. I mean, wow. Yeah. Amazing. It's weird. Like it's, sometimes I'll get on stage and it's a little rough and then I scream it into shape and then I walk off stage. You know, I mean, I don't do, I don't like go out all night like I used to and just like right. scream for three hours and then drink a bottle of Jägermeister. But, um, 
It just, yeah, it just does what it does. I mean, I'm not like singing opera either. Like, face it, I'm out there screaming bloody fucking murder. No, but you know, I mean, you do have a beautiful voice, even when you're not screaming. When you just do uh, an acoustic something or other, I mean, you have a beautiful voice. And I think the secret is you don't worry about it. You just scream, you yell. Because even your speaking voice, you're not hoarse. I hear you. You sound good. Yeah. I don't know what well, it is. I don't know. I've seen doctors before, and they're like, just keep doing what you're doing. Wow. It's amazing. Listen, let me say, boys, congratulations on the new movie. Go see Studio 666. It opens in theaters Friday, February 25th. February 25th, it actually is a horror movie starring the Foo Fighters. All the boys are in it. They're starting a new kind of movement, I think. Just in the same way Nirvana started a movement, I think you're going to see rock and roll bands. I understand uh, Ringo Starr, Vampire Hunter, is in production right now. I think he did and, actually uh, do a vampire movie. Did he? He did. I think he That's did. right. That's right. Did you ever see Wham versus the Wolfman? I believe you've no. seen it. Anyway, listen to me. Uh, what about Nightmare on E Street, starring Bruce Springsteen? Hey, that's uh, I mean, okay. Come on, there it right, is. listen. I believe this is an innovation. I really do. I like seeing bands doing something different and new, and seeing Foo Fighters in a horror movie is a great idea. Go see it, and also hear Dave and Taylor on Sirius XM's Foo Fighters Radio Channel One Hundred Five. Constant Foo Fighters. For your life. It is the soundtrack to your life. And uh, go see the film. Fellas, you know I always love seeing you. It's always a joy. And I wish you the best. Sending love and kisses your way the day after Valentine's Day. And don't become like these other movie stars. Don't let it go to your head. You know oh, what shit. I mean? Try to yeah, stay All the level. awards, all the accolades. Just don't <laughs> yeah. let it go to your head. Don't worry. I don't think <laughs> Mention, When you get the Oscar, what will you say? Will you please mention my name? Who, <laughs> Howard told us to say, fuck you all. That's what we'll say. That's right. Right. And look for Barry Manilow, Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> See? All right, it's boys. a franchise. I love it. Have a great day, guys. Congratulations. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, Howard. Those See you, foos are always up to something. There they go. There they go, the foos. Dave has to probably get the kids to school. So there he goes. All right. Robin, that was a lot of fun. Yes, but all always. The fun. They're always good to talk to. Always good guys to talk to. There you go. Well, you know, look, I wanted us to make the Fartman movie. I wanted something light and uh, musical, <laughs> but uh, we never did it. We should have. We should have. No, but it's fun. You know, like you get you you get to see them outside of their usual element. You know, when yep. they're sitting around that, that table talking about what they're going to do and all that stuff. It's really great. There you go. Because you're hanging out with the Foo Fighters, and then everything's going to get crazy. Dave kills them all. That's all I'll tell you. <laughs> they, they and said in it, funny I mean, ways. You know, there was even yeah. a moment I was like, boy, there's so much blood. It's like The Shining. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of blood, a lot of gore, for those of you who love that. All right, we'll see you uh, tomorrow. We have a full day tomorrow, Robin, a full agenda. Full day? Yes, full day tomorrow. We're going to be on the radio 24 hours tomorrow. It's a special. <laughs> to spend our lives here. No, we, we'll see you tomorrow for the, uh, for the big show. All right, bye. All right.